You are listening to the Chompcast, the official podcast of Sword Chomp. We know your life is precious and time is valuable, so thank you for making our show a part of your day. Hopefully, we can return the favor by enhancing you know the grind of life just a little bit. The Chompcast actually gives you double life experience points. Ching! I figured out the sound effect I liked the most. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> Under construction. Every show is streaming, of course, at the newly relaunched SwordChomp.com. I can only say it's newly relaunched for so long, but you should go there because there's reviews and videos and access to all of our podcasts. It's great. Uh, and if you enjoy the show, please go to iTunes, leave us a kind five-star rating, or if you Spotify or any of, the, of those other services, uh, just subscribe and help get the Chompcast name out there. Um, and if you really enjoy what we do, we'll have some ads later uh, in the show. You can go to patreon.com slash swordchomp. Look to become a V. I P. You know, I I've been fascinated going back each year for my uh, yearly rewatch of the American version of The Office. Um, a tradition me and my wife have. It's kind of our happy place together, our television comfort food, if you will. Um, and I only bring this show up so much because it's Josh's favorite show, and I want to make sure that it gets representation here on the podcast. Of course. Um. <laughs> uh, anyways, <clears throat> this is a tradition me and my wife have. We go back every year and we watch the show again. And uh, because, you know, the <laughs> as the endless march of time continues, you can look back and see those moments that get lost a little bit in the sands of time. Those moments that just have not aged really, really well. And comedies are a very interesting place to find these things, especially when it comes to, like, offensive humor. Um, there's one particular episode that I was just watching recently and I was pondering the topic this week. And it struck me. The episode is called Benihana Christmas. All right. If you're an Office fan, you know what I'm talking about. Um, in this episode, manager Michael Scott goes through a brutal breakup and he goes to a local Benihana's restaurant to cheer up with his coworkers. Um, now, at the restaurant, Michael meets these two attractive Asian waitresses and he invites them back to the company uh, Christmas party. The ensuing storyline involves the fact that Michael Scott can't tell the difference between these two Asian ladies at the party because number one, he's an idiot. Uh, and number two, <laughs> it was that sort of early 2000s style stereotypical racial humor uh, that they just, he couldn't tell the Asians apart, uh, even though you as an audience are just as frustrated as his coworker. Um, you know, it's, it's interesting. That was a kind of a cringy early 2000s storyline. And comedy, I know, is a, specific, a very specific kind of example. Is for like when you try to tread that line and how that line changes over time. Um, it's interesting to see what ages well and what doesn't. You know, there's always a little crossover, which I want to talk about with you guys today, which I think is really interesting. Um, especially if it's something that's offensive. It's going to be offensive no matter what. Book, film, video game. Um, but that's how the, the idea for this show sort of started to form. Um, I was thinking about how effective something like The Last of Us was in the storytelling, how well that had aged for me, not because because the story was actually very generic, but because the facial capture and the technology of the characters and the performances was so good seven years later, that aged well for me. And me and Shay started to have a little debate a couple podcasts ago about you know, what it is that we think makes storylines age, and it sort of blossomed into a topic of the show. Um so I've been kind of like going back and forth between the two. And the example I gave in the opening here is obviously from The Office, which is a, a television show. Um, but it'd be interesting to talk about the storylines or elements of narrative in video games that have aged well for us 
or not age so well because we're all going to come at that from a different perspective, especially someone like me who's very anal about the visual presentations and how you know, how distracting that can be. So I think this is going to be a lot of fun. Visuals are fairly distracting when taken anally. <laughs> it's That's true. Yeah. I try and avoid doing that whenever I can. Mm-hmm. Squish, squish, squish. Just wanted to add uh, some sound effects to that visual. Okay, Thank you. There we go. Is that the sound of uh, visuals being taken anally? Uh, that, that is the sound of me squishing grapes right now as we are talking oh. about this. Cool. <laughs> I know. Um, I knew. Like, here's the thing. Here's the thing. You guys have somehow not figured out. Anytime I know a joke's going to go like really dark and into a place we probably don't want to go, I just kill it by like making something completely nonsensical and not funny to kill the joke. Because like, here's the thing. My natural instinct is to really go into detail about where that was headed, but I know we want to stay on track, so I just make some random ass not yeah. funny side joke to bring what, us back. When it involves butts, Shay gets pretty excited and he gets very descriptive. Uh, mm. I, I, uh, I do. I just, I just try and get out of here. Just throw it to the band and get us out of here. Ladies and gentlemen, Dr. Teeth and the Electric Man. <laughs> you just right into that name. Yeah, this show has Muppets now. Uh-huh. Woo! Um, we're all, so the topic of the show, with help from our, our patron community, the Swordtron Patreon community is what elements of video games have aged well or not aged well for us and why we think that is in particular um, because of the nature of our medium in video games being so goddamn. Let me try to find a way better, better way to phrase that. What makes that um, those qualities specific to video games as far as whether they age well or don't age well? We also round up our time with Ghost of Tsushima. Paper Mario, Necrobarista, and the new Battletoads. This is all Rich really wants to talk about. Battletoads. And Untitled Goose Game. And, oh, oh, my my three year old uh, really happy about Untitled that Geese Game. Untitled Geese Game. Get it right. Get it right. Come on. Untitled that Untitled Gooser Game. Un- <laughs> really. <laughs> I was expecting you to go Russian with that accent. Don't know why. Yeah, I thought I, he was too. Yeah, it just, game. yeah, I just I don't know why. I just I I had that in, yeah. in Soviet Russia. Okay. Goose untitled goose games you. you. We pluck the goose from the the rear first. Um all right, that's all I got. Uh but <laughs> what? <laughs> what Who is that character? <laughs> it was like a mixture between um, Gru from Despicable Me and Borat, <laughs> is what I heard there. <laughs> oh, man. Um, Very nice. Say... I steal the moon. Yeah. <laughs> Very nice. Say... That drinks say... the like Naya. <laughs> the pluck of the chicken from the rear. I have many uh, minions. <laughs> Plucked. <laughs> man, we used to have, the... we had the most <laughs> vile joke. Back in the day, and Josh, you can bleep this if you want, but Rich, but but with our one of our old podcast um, members who about him doing something sexual with a live chicken uh, with a head cut off because it was still <laughs> I forgot about around. that. And it, it was real dark, and I'm pretty sure it was all Josh's fault. So I just want that to be. Uh, make I, I'm pretty sure anytime <laughs> like the jokes get too dark, it's always Josh's fault. 
Usually. Let's take Usually, a moment. I know I can cut it out, but uh, occasionally it doesn't happen. And if that it wasn't happens. clear, he's, he was yeah. having sex with the chicken. So no, mm. I understood. I don't need you to explain it to me. It didn't have a head either. Um, I was going to make a uh, joke about you explaining something to your kids, but then I figured it's far more likely your kid would explain you know, something to you. I was going to say my daughter could listen to this show for the first time because of the goose game, but now that's off the table. So. Yeah, <laughs> just, really, let, just, just let her listen to that section. Mm-hmm. Just let her listen to that section. Yeah, that's true. I should. Because the, the, the show immediately pivots from like, and I played Untitled Goose Game, and you know what I love about geese having sex <laughs> with them? <laughs> you know what I love about birds is... In coitus, the the males often rape the females. Wait, what? what, what? Dad, why am I uh, listening yeah, to no, this? That's, it's just science. I'm just trying to teach you about nature. The animal kingdom. Yeah, and before before anybody's offended that I made a joke about rape, that actually does happen in the animal kingdom. So, just so that's out well, there. I, think if, I don't want anyone to yeah. think I'm insensitive making rape jokes here. Like, that really is what happens in the animal kingdom. But. Well, I mean, it does really happen, but you were sort of laughing at the idea of it. I was laughing at the idea of you us talking about that and then you showing your daughter that. So I was actually laughing <laughs> just giving you at shit. your being a bad parent, but you're not a bad parent. So, yeah, I shouldn't have made that joke. I'm sorry. I <laughs> but it's okay. It's okay. We're just going to lose everything we've worked so hard to gain. <laughs> it's no big deal. Uh, just bleep, bleep it all out. Bleep it all out. Kratos continues his yeah, reign of terror. Josh, for the next 30 Long seconds, just a solid bleep. Yeah. Who has the patience to... <laughs> and then it like it just, just come back in like mid-sentence, like, chicken sandwich! <laughs> uh, Kratos continues his reign of terror in the polls this week that you voted on the at Sword Trump Instagram page. What would we do without cookie dough? All that and much, much more. Uh, let's get to some introductions. You've already heard these uh, gentlemen... Um, Goofing around, if you will. <laughs> uh, but uh, up first from New York, we have the one and only Rich Meister. Um, Rich, I have a very important question. Uh, I hope Shay can still hear us because he's mouthing weird things to me. Um, this is, this is, I was eating this this week and I realized I have one very important question to ask you, but I'm going to give you a chance to guess it first. When you order a Domino's pizza, do you blank? I don't order Domino's pizza, so your question doesn't make any sense to me. I knew I knew you were gonna say that. If on those rare cases where you have to order Domino's pizza because you are drunk or it's cheap and you're feeling, you know, like you need to save money, do you go with the Brooklyn style pizza? Because that's a popular choice at the no, Domino's I no, work no. at. If me. I'm drunk and I have to order Domino's, the only way you go order Domino's is thin crust. Because it's basically a, a flatbread a at that cracker. point. It's basically a flatbread at that point. Because what Domino's makes is not pizza. If your frame of reference for pizza is Domino's, I hate to disappoint you. You've never actually had pizza. Well, first off, let me step in here and say thin crust is great, but that is not the only good crust. I definitely love a stuffed crust. And I don't care if it's just string cheese shoved into a crust. I fucking love it. Second. Mr. fucking New York pizza snob. I know you and uh, Jay, shout out to Jay, um, one of our patrons, good guy. He'll love this. Mm-hmm. And he'll agree with you. New York pizza is the best pizza. I'm sure it is. But uh-huh. to be a pizza snob, when you don't even eat real pizza from Italy, it's kind of funny. Because here's the thing. Pizza's pizza, pizza doesn't come from Italy. 
pizza's pizza. It comes it comes from Brooklyn. <laughs> Anyways. Pizza's pizza. And if you enjoy it, that's okay. Whether you enjoy Little Caesars or you enjoy the most exquisite pizza from around the world, including Italy, that's okay. And how dare you shame someone for liking Domino's? If you like Domino's, you like Domino's. Pizza's pizza. Here's the thing about pizza, Rich. Pizza brings us all together. It makes us all feel great and warm inside, both in our stomachs and our hearts. And you're going to shame somebody for wanting to feel that happiness? Because they, it's not the pizza you like? What, do they just want to walk around being wrong all the time? I mean, to be fair, you buy vinyls all the time. Like yeah. it's the 1950s. Yeah. So, I mean, we all walk around. I also wear, took a very weird twist. <laughs> I also wear a full three-piece suit to work, even though I've been asked not to. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I, I wear a kimono to the bathroom. Does that make me wrong? A little bit. A margarita pizza, Josh? Is that? Oh, God. <laughs> I hate margarita pizza. No, I don't hate it. It's just like. I, I enjoy it. Good... You, you make that with tequila? No, it's not no, really no. what that is. <laughs> I, know, I know what it is. It's the really tomato no, kind of pizza, right? No, it's the real pizza when someone says it comes from Italy. But it's, um, it's, not, it's not really because it's. It's fine. Pizza is not from Italy. It's from America. I mean, that's that's Joshua Fowler so. here. He's the biggest pizza snob that I know. So, Josh, I mean, you're a foodie. Go ahead and lay it on me. What is the, what's your go-to pizza place? Where's pizza from? Uh, <laughs> Brooklyn. I usually just make it myself because, like, I, yeah, can make it better than most places around here. But what if you had to? Game. What if you had to? Order? Uh, like, generally, New York style that is, is pretty good. Arrogance. Pretty good, but. Um, I, I don't know. Like, I'm not a huge... Like, they're oversized, and it makes sense because in New York, you have to share it with the rats, but... <laughs> we order by the slice here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, those giant full... I kind of like those... Those. I mean, they they make me feel disgusting about myself as a person when I'm done eating it. Um, you eat Domino's, I, correct? Dude, <laughs> I try to avoid it at all costs, I promise. I was going to say, I, like, a real slice of pizza from, like, a pizzeria around here... You walk away feeling a here. lot less disgusting than eating Domino's. Here's, here's the thing. Here's the thing you guys aren't considering. You live in the mecca of great pizza. Like, if you want great pizza, you go to either Italy or America, right? You live in the mecca. But when you come to somewhere like Japan, that 95% of the pizzas you eat here Has suck. mayonnaise on it. Have <laughs> shrimp and has mayonnaise. Has corn. Ew. Has corn. Has, like, uh-huh. baby, like, f- fucking fish and sardines and shit. When you find a good pizza, you're like, hell yeah. And Domino's has the closest thing to American-style pizza here. And you, yeah, once, really? you, once you don't have access to good pizza, like, consistently, you realize, hey, Domino's is there for me. <laughs> you know what they say, in the, in the land of the blind, the one-eyed man is king. And in this scenario, sure, the one-eyed man is Domino's. <laughs> Domino's. I saw that in Minority Report, and I who's remember giving, it every day of my life. Who's giving Morgan books? <laughs> <laughs> it's from that guy. God, I can't remember his name, but I used to. He wrote Minority Report, Philip K. Dickens or something. What I is this know. character you're doing? <laughs> um, that's the that's the uh, half Russian, half uh, Borat character. He's oh. undercover right now. <laughs> He's undercover as a southern okay. gentleman. 
Oh, That's I was right. close. I said Philip K. Dickens. It's Philip K. Dick. I it was, was wondering uh, how that happened. Philip Seymour Hoffman. <laughs> Philip K. Dickens. I made his name kind of cooler, to be honest with you. Did you? Um, yeah. Anyways, uh, thank, cooler, uh, thanks for being here, no. Josh. Laying Different. down the knowledge. Um, Shay's here, the professor from Japan as well. He's mentioned how difficult it is to get good pizza in Japan. Shay, I want to give you a chance. You have some exciting new podcast people can search out. Um, that you, some interviews you did for your interview podcast, Evoking the Sublime. Wanted to give you a chance to plug those. Yeah, really quickly. Thank you, by the way. Um, after being dormant for two years, I brought it back for three episodes. It's a, like a very small second season. Um, I did an interview with Ben Fique, uh, the designer at Lizard Cube, and we talked about Streets of Rage 4. And... A wonderful interview. It's available on all major podcast platforms. Uh, I did a second interview with Jer- with Jeremy Gritton and Chris McKenty from Moon Studios, and they um, they both helped create the story and the design, art design, and the lead design of Ori and the Will of the Wisps. Um, mm-hmm. So I interviewed those two guys, and we talked about the history and creation of that game. You can go check it out. And then the third episode is going to be released next week. It's a very, very special episode. I don't want to spoil anything. I literally have told nobody about this podcast. I'm very, very excited for it to drop. Um, I'm not going to tell you who I interviewed. I'm not going to tell you what it's about. I'm just extremely excited for it to drop. It was David Spade. Um, <laughs> you mean David uh, Blaine. It's, it's David Blaine. That's right. He's going to talk with me before he does his balloon stunt here in about 10 days. But, or nine days. Head and Teller. Me. That's right. No, but um, I'm really excited for that episode to drop. It's going to drop next week. um, I believe Tuesday at midnight is when it's going to drop. Um, That'll be the that'll be the final episode of this season. Um, Again, I know it's a very small season. Uh, I I went with the interviews I was able to get and um, the time I was able to spend doing that. So if you want to check those out, please, uh, you can head to sorechomp.com slash evoking the sublime, or you can go to iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, any of the major podcasting platforms and listen to it there. So, yeah. Hooray. For sure. Evoke the sublime. Um, you know, what was the, the, the gentleman who did the Streets of Rage for that you interviewed? What was his name? Ben Fique. Ben Fique? Yes. It'd be cool if you could go back in time and interview him and ask him how it feels uh, knowing that Battletoads is a much better game than Streets of Rage 4. You think, how do you feel about that? Um, you know, the thing is that Domino's fucking sucks. And, <laughs> hey, I um, agree. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't. I don't want to personally you something I dominoes. love. You attack something I love. I'm going to attack something you love. Mm. <laughs> I don't attack That's how this you. works it, here. It's called a joke, all right. And it came at the expense of your personal happiness. And I'm sorry hey, about that. Morgan, where were you when Domino's came up with that naked chicken concept? Where they were like, "It's wings," but we didn't do any work. Um, we actually do have regular wings now. With flavors, it. we so. we as if as if Morgan is, you know, <laughs> wow. pitching these idea, ideas actually. and then running the the test trials of them. We have it now. I no, this is a true story because I do part time delivery for Domino's as one of my, uh, I guess you could say, three incomes that I have. You told um, me you were the CEO. I wouldn't say that if you piss somebody off listening to our episode, they're gonna call your business and get you fired. I don't, don't care. T- 
I've, I, <laughs> I, you I mean, it's not that I would be a great thing, but like, I mean, whatever. You get fired, it's not a big deal. I would never say anything really negative. I just say that um, uh, I don't have like a personal attachment. To you you did just say Streets of Rage Four was not a good game, so that was pretty. Uh, negative. I would, uh, to be honest with you, I want to say two things. I was mostly just thought it'd be fun to give you shit. Number two, I didn't play enough of that game to have a strong opinion. I just didn't. I played like what an hour, so I I'm not going to poop all on of it. it. I played the whole. Um, I raged through all of the streets. And I played an hour and a half of Battletoads, so clearly I'm now an expert, uh, and I can clearly have all the opinion. Morgan, I played about four hours of Battletoads, so let me weigh in here. <laughs> um, but anyways, no, I'm just giving you shit, Shay. Honestly, it's I couldn't make an honest comparison of the two yet, but I'm curious to say what you think later because you're a big Streets of Rage four guy, and we are going to talk to some some Battletoads. Uh, my what I was going to say was one time I made they had the these Battletoads are here. Pe- they have these. I'm General Mountain Time Morgan from Montana, and they do have uh, these deep dish pizzas at Domino's. And one time I threw it in with just, um, and I made it without any toppings, and I covered it with the uh, cinnamon twist sauce. So when it came out, it was like eating a deep dish cinnamon pie, and it was one of the most the greatest tasting things I've ever had in my life. But I did spend the next two hours in the bathroom shitting myself to death. Yeah, that sounds mm-hmm. about um, right. Yeah, no, that was that was always. CC's trick to to stop you from having too much at the buffet there. Just to, <laughs> they poison you. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that kind of goes in the cookie dough thing later. Uh, and I do and I do want to say really briefly again, we're not just trying to plug our own stuff this week. Um, I do have a pretty cool interview up with Mick Gordon. You should go check check it out. He did the uh, music uh, for Doom, Prey, Wolfenstein Two. Um, if you follow us on social media, you'll probably be sick of all the information on that by, by now, but you should definitely go check it out. The podcast is called In the Blood. So there's two new shows this up. If you go to find Shay's podcast, it's called Evoking the Sublime, if you want to search for it yeah. right now. And then In the Blood. Morgan, the I had a quick question. Yes. Sorry, sorry to interrupt you. Who Who is the person that you just did that most recent interview with? Um, Mick Gordon. Oh, okay. It's, it's a shame you can't go back in time and tell him that... Uh, Call of Duty and Apex Legends are better shooter games than uh, Doom and Doom Eternal. Doom 2016? I... Do you believe that in your heart? No, 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 I'm doing the same thing you literally did to me. <laughs> I'll give you Doom Eternal because I just don't prank, care enough to bro. defend it, but I, I, I don't think I could give you Doom 2016 on that one. Um, just... Doom Eternal, I, I, yeah, I still think that game was fun, and it was it's a fine. good game. It's fine. Hey, you know what? One of the big controversies we discussed that I won't ruin his answer was the fact that um, that he only got to mix some of those songs on that soundtrack, and he told me that he mixed everything on Doom 2016, right? Um, and the big controversy that came out earlier this year was that the studio, Bethesda in particular, um, I can find the gentleman's name, but they basically mixed and compressed the songs to their liking. And he got on Twitter and basically said, hey, I wouldn't have mixed them this way. Um, But to me, it was like emblematic of like everything in that game, which is sort of like as it got, as Doom got more popular, they made a lot of decisions in Doom Eternal that I was not particularly happy about. But we've already, we've talked about that a lot in the past, so we don't need to retread that. but if you yeah. listen to yeah. that interview, I think that's very telling. Because think about it. Can you guys imagine Doom without Mick Gordon as the soundtrack? Because I no, like Doom 2016 soundtrack is far superior to Doom Eternal. I like Doom Eternal soundtrack, but 2016 is much um, 
much better. And yeah, I like going forward without mixed music. I I can't imagine what that's going to sound like. I'm sure they'll just like Mm -hmm. basically take his ideas and just retool them and rework them and manipulate them to sound very similar. I mean, that's not hard to do, but yeah, not having Mick there definitely hurts that, that experience. Yeah. It's sad. I think they kind of lost the way a little bit, but yeah, I mean, the thing is, Doom Eternal's music is still written by Mick Gordon, so there's it's still awesome. It's just mixed by somebody else, so that's an interesting conversation. You know? Hey, Mick, this guy's saying Domino's Pizza is better than New York or Brooklyn Pizza. You know, he's the man, the Mick, the legend, Mick Gordon. Check it out. Um, sorry, I've worked on that joke all week, and I just had to say it again. Uh, so yeah, it's Maybe been give it ex- some more time in the oven next time. <laughs> <laughs> you really uh, need to give the uh the formula the ability to rise with the uh heat of that joke. Okay. Okay. Anyways, you don't want to miss his response in the blood, Mick Gordon, check it out. Uh okay, so here's the deal. This the the topic this week I think is pretty interesting when you think about how things age differently for us. So I'm curious to pick you guys' brains because I know that we all look, you guys give me shit a lot of times because I'm love. very in love with the visual pre- presentation of a game, and that can be very distracting for me. Shay's very famously said on the show, and you as well, Rich. You know, doesn't give a shit what a game looks like. Josh is probably closer along those lines as well because he plays a lot of independent games. He's not going to get really caught up in that stuff. Yeah, I only play the stuff just... that actually looks good. Yeah, and Josh's Art definition direction of what... is more important to me than visual fidelity. I, I think we'd all agree with that. I think and we'd all agree. I think our Breath of the Wild conversation from a couple months ago would suggest the opposite. <laughs> I think Breath of the Wild is one of the best looking games on the Switch, and the art direction is gorgeous. I'm just imagining that art direction on a stronger console, and it just makes me hard. Um, so we'll just leave it. <laughs> just leave it at that, please, for the love of God. Um, all right, so let's let's pick your brains a little. So this this when me and Shay started having this argument on the podcast a couple weeks ago, we were talking about like what we felt like in stories was going to hold up well for us or or he felt like certain things in a story is timeless no matter what. And we're like, look, we're not necessarily talking about timeless games. We're talking about elements in storytelling in our the medium narratives. video games. Elements in our storytelling in our medium that over time are either more effective or less effective and why that is. And so my opening salvo for me is basically... Because everything in video games is so visually dependent, like it's only until recently that you started thinking about performances in games. You know what I mean? Like I would say Naughty Dog was a big part of that. You could look at, you know, with uh, around the 2010-ish and and up, you know, where you'd actually think about performances in games. Um, But everything's visual, right? So if I'm watching a movie that has great acting and great performances, but the CGI is cheesy right the cgi has not aged those performances are still great because that's just one element of the the film is visual but if if it's a video game and it's all let's say rendered and that has aged substantially then that could potentially be a lot more distracting because our medium is unique in that there you don't really (laughs) yes there are performances based around real humans now look at something like the last of us 2 which is incredible but still all based around technology so for me that's why I think this conversation is so interesting. It's all visual aspects. A book, other than the content, if it's like racist or something, like some Gone with the Wind shit, yes, of course that's not going to age well because that's offensive content. But like a book isn't going to age visually because everything's happening in your imagination. 
You know, unless you get smashed with a bat and you can't think properly, then, then you're in trouble, right? These are, of course, things we have to think about. <laughs> it, you know, my poor uncle Kit got smashed in the by uh, when he was but, hitchhiking. Uh, Morgan, yeah. if I could, if I could jump in there immediately, I don't necessarily agree with what you're saying. Um, go, no, go ahead, take it away. Yeah, yeah. Uh, to a point, I do. Um, I don't think it's all on the visuals because, like you said, performances and things like that started becoming more important in recent years. Uh, just because we've kind of gotten to that point as far it's as... It's cheap enough. Well, I mean, yeah. even that, it's not mm-hmm. that it's cheap enough, it's that it's more expected, but... Like, it's funny, you, yeah. you were mentioning 2010. I've been playing a lot of older games from the 90s recently that had amazing mm-hmm. voice acting in them, and they're complete outliers, but, like, every now and then somebody would just be like... No, we actually want talented people to do the voiceover for a game. Yeah, people that <laughs> yeah. give a shit and are like are here to do their job. But beyond mm-hmm. that, even what I was thinking of is, um, and one game to me because it is a Final Fantasy, uh, from somewhere in the middle to me that kind of holds up remarkably well, um, is Final Fantasy Nine, and I think a big part of that is one. I think the script of that game is very good. There's obviously no voice acting in it. Um, and I think beyond the visuals, cause the, the backdrops in that game are gorgeous. Uh, the character models are rough. Uh, I think their use of music, uh, like w- along with that script, which could be, you know, you could say of almost any Final Fantasy game is also super helpful. So I think the score mm-hmm. can play a big part in helping a delivery get across when there's no voice acting to sell it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, <sighs> I have so many different points I want to take this, so I'll try and be uh, concise, but also address all those. I don't agree that 2010 is the rough cutoff, because I think, when I think back to games that started to have voice acting and whatnot, I think of Final Fantasy X, because that was the first one that had voice acting, and that game was the first Final Fantasy on the PS2, and that really upped the ante for that series as a whole, in terms of not only voice acting, but visuals as well. And the visuals are stunning at the time. And that definitely lends to the story. Like when you are fighting Sin for the first time and you, you are Titus and you are in Xanarkand and Sin suddenly appears, you're like, holy shit. Like the visuals at the time really drew you in. And paired with the voice acting and everything else that was going on, it was incredible. So I think like us like scrutinizing and looking at whether a story like really holds up i think we'd have to go further back than 2010 personally i think i believe that very yeah. strongly i think that's fair yeah um well, one the second thing, thing and then i'll let you continue i, I think it's more be, commonplace it'll be, now it'll it's be definitely very more quick. commonplace i'm sorry Morgan. Uh, no you're right when i laid that groundwork of an argument i want to say very clear that i was just saying i think around 2010 i start to associate performances with games more you're right there is a lot of voice acting and stuff like that before then and there's there's value to that but i'm just saying around that time like facial capture and stuff started to be more prevalent so like i started to think of that era as being more performance we're never gonna cure that one prevalent um sorry my friend um so but yeah i don't i agree with you i'm just saying that's when i start to associate more performances with characters i i don't i don't even think that i think it'd be t- 2008 for you because that's when heavy rain came out you know, actually well <laughs> again i didn't mean to split hairs i said 2010 ish i'm just talking about like a, a general game. time yes but yes i agree with you yeah the performances in heavy rain were that's kind of around the same period in my brain too 
Um, no, I'm just, I'm, I'm looking out for you and like, yeah, I get, I get it. I get what you're doing. Um, the second thing I want to say here is by saying like, if visuals don't hold up, then it kind of affects the story. I think that is completely wrong because first off, like there are so many different ways to tell a story. Like if we look back and it's going to sound like a, a weird departure, but go with me. if we look at like ancient Egyptian hieroglyphics, yes, a story was told completely visually, but also um, orally or auditorily, however you want to parse that. Um, th th those stories could have been told either one of those ways. There are stories that were told exclusively auditorily. There are stories that are told through music. Like there's so many different ways to tell a story. And that's the beautiful thing about a game especially when that game works when you bring all of those elements together that's what makes a good story and uh, an amazing story and sometimes some element of those elements can be stronger than others you look at something like the last of us and the last of us 2 um and i bring those to example because they're recent um because i just played them both this year i don't think the music is the strongest thing in the world on those games but uh, the way the game is told um, orally via voice actors and the story itself, the, what it's being told visually um, and some other elements that it is a great story. Both of them, in my opinion, um, obviously there's, there's going to be some disagreement there, but I think it's great. Now you look at something like, um, and I'm going to bring final fantasy 10 back up into it because it's one of my favorite games of all time. The music is instantly, instantly, like recognizable but not only that it brings you so much into the story you pair that with and eh, that voice acting was decent to good for the time i still think the the music holds up fairly well but or not the music sorry the voice acting holds up fairly well but the story itself while kind of zany at times the way it was told was just bombastic and over the top at times but then it brought it back in and it was very like intimate and i think uh a lot of that was due to the pacing of the game um, or just the the brevity that they had and the, the ability to make it swell when it needed to and then contain it when it needed to be contained. I think that like there's just there's so many elements to a story to say that visually, if it doesn't hold up, it's not telling the story that completely disregards all the other elements of a video game, but also it discounts other games that maybe visually that's not the focus there. It's more focused yeah. on other things to oh. get the story across. And the visuals are a, a, um, a small addition to this already amazing story. Yeah. And I don't think anyone's saying that uh, for sure. I don't think anyone's saying that the visuals are going to destroy it every time, but we're, but that's a good gr uh, foundation there. Shay, uh, Josh is throwing a bunch of shit in chat. Josh, yep. you, uh, let's get, mm -hmm. let's get Josh's take on this. What are you, you're dropping all these names. In I'm chat. just dropping um, a bunch of names of significantly older games that had amazing voice acting at the time because mm -hmm. like it was absolutely, you're right about it becoming way more common to have talented voice actors but um oddly enough i think a lot of the games that have aged better are the ones that didn't just that that whole era of like the the n64 to gamecube like the the turn of the century 
everyone knew that they could do stuff with audio, but very few of them cared to make it, it. Yeah, cared, cared to make it good. Um, so I, I, I do think that there's an expectation that it is going to be at least not atrocious these days and I, I, mm-hmm. I will agree that that's that's much more common but there the a lot standard of stuff is that, higher now yeah a lot of the a lot of the stuff that has aged extremely well from the time has uh it has been stuff where people people cared about each aspect of the game um so either games that didn't have voice acting because they weren't yeah. going to put effort into it or ones that put that effort into the voice acting uh, mm-hmm. at the time because i don't think you needed voice acting to make the game stand out there were still plenty yeah, of good no. games that came out after then that just weren't you'd rather weren't have text acted. than bad voice acting yeah for sure. and i think that's kind of the thing that like it's kind it's kind of like when everything was oh we have to be photorealistic now and none of them were but they all tried to be so for a while there um kind of in the the 360 era it seemed or, or even like beginning of the 360 era, everyone's like, "Oh, we've got to be photorealistic now," and a lot of the stuff doesn't age well because they didn't care to have art design to go along with all their new fancy high-res textures. Plain and ugly. Yeah. yeah. Like if you see like a character in Skyrim, you're like, "Oh my god, that guy's face is real ugly." But at the time, you're like, "Looks pretty fucking good," because they were going for realism. I don't realism. think it did though. I don't think it ever looked good. They all looked the same. Well, not at the time. Okay. Yeah, and I think that's kind of the the issue. Is oh, good. You're finally awake. A lot of a lot of the <laughs> a lot of the stuff that doesn't age well wasn't good to begin with. It's just that oh, it's it's the new fancy thing. Like again, I don't think Final Fantasy VII looks very good, and I know everyone was freaking out about oh, look oh, at all no, the polygons I mean... and everything. But considering that. The Final Fantasy yeah, games we got right before then, it was it's some of the finest pixel art yeah. ever made, and we go from that to just like the lowest poly looking. I love pyramids, bro. Everything. I um, I think seven at the time was cool, but I, it's a perfect example. It was of a aging technical achievement, but it doesn't even, look objectively good. But yeah. well, even two years later or whatever it was, I remember going to my friends and being like, "Why are you playing this game? That guy's hand looks like a paintbrush. This looks absurdly bad." But Did they like hit you. But it was still an important <laughs> part of that journey. But <laughs> yeah, they did. But no, I think that's a good point because it's not to dis. I think we have this conversation. It's important for people to remember that I, in particular, when I mention a game, I'm not trying to discredit the quality of that game at the time or the quality of my enjoyment of that game at the time. It's about looking back on how those the the quality has aged or not aged. Like, and so Josh, that's a good example because Seven. I went back and played it recently. Like, I still think FMV backgrounds are still mostly fine because it's kind of like a painting. They don't bother me, you know, but yeah, you those. Yeah. Well, I think the backgrounds are some of the better stuff because, like, it could be finalized. They knew exactly what the resolution could be. Um, and so they knew how to work with it. It was yeah. that the 3D stuff, they didn't know what they were doing yet. So it wasn't particularly done well. Um, it's all kind of ugly and. It was the beginning of it, yeah. Yeah, and yeah. I think that's kind of the same thing we got with, like, so, there were so Did, many PS1 games with just atrocious voice acting because, oh, we've, we've got to have audio now. And Did a seven, bunch did, of it at was the just time, done terribly. We I came at 7 a couple years later, so I still thought it looked a little weird. But objectively, do you guys remember at the time, other than the cutscenes, did people think the characters and stuff in that game like were, like, 
holy shit, this looks amazing? Or at, was there the still a At the time of launch, it was talked about, like, what a technical achievement. Like, like a amazing. seminal... Yeah. 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 So isn't that crazy to think that people would look at those weird-ass polygonal people and be like, there's, whoa! There's a quote <laughs> oh my the, god, I'm gonna ejaculate! <laughs> there's a quote, I can't remember from who, on the back of the box about how beautiful it looked. Mm-hmm. Yes, and well, that's what I'm saying. That's fascinating about this whole this whole conversation is not is just about that. That at one point, looking at those god awful boxy characters was like sex for our eyes, and now it's comical. I did pay sixty dollars for a box of figures that look like that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, They're like, coming. That's the nostalgia. Of, that's nostalgia. That said, yeah, but I at do the end think of the just day- because they are attached to an amazing story. You get attached to those little blocky characters, like they, yeah, they yeah, end up becoming sure, sure. charming. But I, yeah, it's for I love a different the oil reason. Drum that is Barrett. Yeah, it, exactly. Like they're charming in a kind of in an unintentional way. It doesn't ruin the story, but it is dis- you could say a little more distracting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't know. Like in I retrospect, don't find it distracting. In retrospect, I could see where people would be distracted by that, but I don't think that's fair. Like you, you look at like. Like humans don't have a good concept of time. Like that needs to be very like explicitly clear, because just time is a loose construct. How dare you say that to me? In this, the year, two thousand eleven. <laughs> the Earth is so young. This is this year has felt like the longest and shortest year of my entire life, mm-hmm. and I think everyone else. Yeah, I don't remember the before be times very well. In agreement. Agreement. The long, long no, ago? No, no, I don't. The, <laughs> the long, long ago, yeah. In the long, long before. Yeah, mm-hmm. but, like, if we look at things, like, games evolve so much. You think about, like, the original Nintendo and the Sega Master System, which were 8-bit, and then that progression to 16-bit with the Sega Genesis and the Super Nintendo and how amazing of an advancement that was. And then you look to the next generation, which was the N64 and the PS1. It was incredible. Like, that jump was so huge. And that's the thing that, like, I think we forget about sometimes, you know, because, like, where we are now in terms of technology and gaming, it's really easy to forget how massive that jump was at the time. Um, And, like, for people who are, you know, probably a generation um, ahead of us, I think they could speak to that even more. That jump was insane. Like the the hype around that time was like I I can't I can't even describe it because I was so yeah. young that like I don't we we were all pretty young. We can't fully fathom that level of hype um at that time. Video but games basically all the videos I've watched and like I've I've done a bunch of research like looking at the transition of each generation of gaming that that transition was massive so when we compare like ps1 games to now i i don't think i th- i think it's interesting to look at but to say like those stories don't hold up i just i don't think that's entirely fair now you can say the visuals don't hold up of course but they were a stepping stone to where we are now but in terms of the story itself like there's so many amazing stories still on the ps1 that like you could go back and play and if you can get past that visual uh de-evolution so to speak i guess if you're working backwards there are some incredible amazing stories i mean think think about it this way uh legend of zelda link's awakening was just remade last year or remastered whatever you want to call it that remake. is a very that was, that old was a full-on remake 
That was a that yeah, was such I mean, a bizarre one. It's a remake, but then they tried to make it one to one everywhere they could, right. which is weird. Exactly. It's weird. Exactly. I sure now did that, like now it's such a simplistic story. And it's it's a very old game, but it with a new f- new coat of paint on it, the story gets reinvigorated. And it's still and you're able to look at the new one and you're like, oh wow, that original story was amazing. But all they had to do is touch up the visuals to make it more modern. Like the the original groundwork is son. there. <laughs> Your Jay, son do you Link. Feel, Zelda. You f- I just said Link. Well, no, Shay, I was right. Feel, it is Link. Though? Jesus Christ. <laughs> how do you feel about um? Well, this is what I would say, Shay, because I feel like you're answering this from a very. Uh, let's put it this way: I don't think there's anything wrong with what we're doing because we're saying that it was groundbreaking, but we're also just saying that. Now it doesn't look great. We're not saying it like ruins the story. It's just it, it's what happens is it's, these are barriers, right? With with a book, for example, I brought up earlier. There's no visual barriers. Everything that happens in that book is in your mind. It's in your imagination. Barring, like I said, weird case, you get smashed in the head. Or as you get older, your imagination actually has increased. So you may could you could read that book and have a much more. Um, I think vastly, you meant fades. Um, you have a sort of vastly interesting experience in your brain. Um, but like we're still acknowledging these games are important, but we're also acknowledging because our medium is so drastically, it's so much change visually that those there's still a bit, and maybe not for you because you have so much nostalgia, but like a lot of those games now, that's a that's a barrier. It doesn't make the this story bad, but it would make it distracting because you have to constantly stare at these. See, I don't think I have that problem either, though. I don't like, either. Looking at old art, that doesn't distract me from what I'm taking in, like, pretty much at all. Exactly, exactly, because, because a video, and this is kind of the point I was making at the beginning, a video game has so many components to tell that story. If you're being distracted by one of those components when all the others are hitting the right note, I feel like, and this, I'm not calling you this, Morgan, please don't think this, I think you're being obstinate and you're being closed-minded at that point, because there are so many <laughs> other elements that oh. can tell a great story, and if you're letting that one element completely prevent you from enjoying it then that's on you that's not on that's not on anything else that's not on the technology that's not on where we where the generations of gaming have gone that's on your closed-mindedness at the end of the day i mean like nostalgia is a part of it don't get me wrong you're right morgan nostalgia is definitely a part of it for some games that i go back retroactively and play but i've definitely gone back and played other games i didn't play that were released when i was two three years old and they have a very simplistic story but a good story and i go back and i enjoy those stories and then there's some that i go back and i'm like hey you know like maybe visually it wasn't the most impressive but also this story is kind of janky it's kind of all over the place and i don't allow one element to completely uh uh basically inform my opinion about the story of a game and I think I think that's where you and I probably differ, Morgan. And I'm sure there are going to be some people that are completely on your side, and there are going to be people that agree with me that I don't think that one element of a story should completely bar you from enjoying all the other elements. And I think that holds true for older games as well. Yeah, I mean, it's not just the visuals that make Sonic 3 bad. It's everything coming together to make it suck. I don't think anybody's saying that it's that's the only thing. That's why I use the term it's a barrier. It's it's one it is a small barrier. Like for example, when I was a kid, Metal Gear Solid looked real to me. It looked realistic. Like the performance was great, but you know, when I was looking at those models, I was I was totally sold, not just cuz I was younger, but because that was cutting edge at the time. And now 
the 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 voice the voice performances are still amazing and the story's still great, but it looks like a, a square box going like this. And I get what you're saying. It's distracting. Yeah, no, but th- that's kind of the point. It's like, not, that though. might be a person by like, it's, person basis. It's not distracting to me at all. Like you've had, you me. have a big focus on visuals. You kind of always have. So I understand that you're saying it's distracting to you. It's not distracting to me at all. Like there at are all. not even a little bit. Yeah, uh, no. like, I mean, this is one of the reasons. Like, I still uh, do not like that they keep changing Shadow of the Colossus. Like when all they need to do is just stick a high res camera in there and allow you to remap the keys like they did this last time like it doesn't take anything because it already looked great uh metal gear solid is is another one like that like the what they were doing at the time was like it's still stylized but it's it's more it's more impressionistic because a lot of the stuff at the time is not meant to be like a one-to-one like this is exactly what you're looking at um yeah it's yeah. like here. Let's give you the idea of, of of what you're looking at. You're still you still have to imagine stuff, which that that's the same case today. Like the photorealistic stuff ain't. Um, yeah. No, that's a good point. Shadow of the Colossus still does look great on the PlayStation too. It does. It's even though I actually like the remake too, but I agree with you because that's an art direction. Yeah. No, like it's not. It doesn't look bad. They they took what was already there and then just fleshed it out. They didn't really change it a bunch to get it where it was, but I don't think it needed to be there because it was like everything about that world is kind of asking you to imagine it as, as it's just kind of ancient unexplored place. It's just, it's asking you to imagine a lot just given the world itself. So you, you don't asking you to imagine a little bit more doesn't do much to, uh, yeah, like, to I, I think from. that's one of, I think that game is one of those rare cases of the story is so amazing that they just want to make sure it's more available and just to add a fresh coat of paint kind of for what Morgan is talking about to make it more visually appealing to younger generation, sorry, (laughs) younger generations of people. But, um, I like, I could, I totally see your point though. I do think that the original was gorgeous in itself and I still like, like Morgan. I also think that the remaster is gorgeous too. And I'm glad that it came out because it made it more available for me being here in Japan so I could play it. Um, I think availability was the big thing there. And that ha- yeah. that really has no relevancy to what we're talking about. I'm just like, in this particular instance, I think that's why Do I was thankful think for that... the remaster. Yeah, no, that's a good point. Um, I was too. I was thankful as well. I would, but and this is the point I'd make. So just so that people don't are misconstrued. When I say that about Metal Gear and stuff, I could probably still play Metal Gear and enjoy it today because, like you're saying, the writing is good, the voice acting is great, the gameplay is great. I'm not saying that the visuals have turned me off. I think what the whole point of this topic I thought was interesting is because if you look at our medium, because it's so focused around technological advancements, that there are just more barriers or for me just now you guys are you've already expressed your diff you do you're not bothered by this thing and that's cool that's why we're all different that's why we do the podcast for me i'm not saying it kills the game necessarily i'm saying that it's just a a sort of a bummer over time whereas in some cases older film let's say an older film right it just looks a little bit old but you can watch it 30 years later and it's still excellent yeah well i think a big part of that is It's it's the level of abstraction you have to uh, have to go to in order to 
believe that what you're looking at is real. Um, because those older films, there's still people there. You can still connect with that, even if it's filmed on some crappy film at the time or just Stinky they didn't know yeah. how to light stuff, like the special effects don't look as good. You can still connect to a person saying yes. something. Because it's obviously a person. Like, yeah. It's not no, relying on technology. Yeah, but there's no games room to misinterpret that. what you're looking at. Yeah, since games don't have I, that, I kind of feel like they need to allow you to use your imagination in places. Um, and some of, them, some of them are better at doing that. Some of them just really don't want you to. Um, yeah, I've, like the, this. This is exactly what you're looking at. It is what it is, and it's not. Yeah, like you, you, there's no place for your imagination in this experience. Uh, and then others, like, which great, don't need it. Yeah, like kind of. <laughs> they're. I mean, I'm not, it, it sounds like I'm. You know. No, no, I know what you're. I get what you're saying. Josh. Yeah, some like, of them just they, they leave more room for that. For they want to leave nothing stuff. to the imagination. Mm-hmm. Which is that why Josh? I think there's you think value that... in doing that. Like Josh, you would say six holds up Final Fantasy six because the art direction is simpler. And whereas like Final Fantasy seven, you could say over time, because they were going for something more realistic, if art direction is king, right? If you prefer, do you think it's, there's anyone that would prefer the the look of those polygonal seven characters over six? I'm sure people who grew up with the story because the story is still good enough. But I, I think the big difference there was just how they knew how to work with the tools at the time. Um, and like, there's still an awful lot. They're asking you to imagine a lot in seven. They are. Um, the, the weird things about seven are about how they were still trying to operate under some, uh, having the character models change for world map and in combat was weird. It kind of takes you out of it because well, which, which cloud is cloud? Like how, what do I, latch on to here because it's not as much of a you don't have an abstract character mm-hmm. here you have you have two models of all the characters two representations so like, yeah. and and to your point josh when you get in battles the character models look better so there's this weird sort of um says mm-hmm. you your your brain their brain kind of fucks with you when you play this game now because you're like whoa these characters in battle actually look like they have normal human dimensions you know what i mean mm-hmm. to some degree which is it's not again these are not the end of the world. It's not like you want to upset these Final Fantasy VII fans or people like Shay and Rich that have so much nostalgia, and they're like, they're not bothered at all. There's value in that. Look, I can play yeah. Tomb Raider I, 2 today, well, and I'm not I, I bothered at all. I need to interrupt all. you. Keep, you yeah. keep saying nostalgia is the big factor. I want to make that clear. Nostalgia is only a part of it, because Rich and I have gone back and played games that we don't have nostalgia for, that we enjoy the story of. So to chalk it up strictly to nostalgia, I want to make it very clear, is incorrect and unfair. I just want to make that very clear because that keeps getting said, and that's not represented. Yeah, well, I guess these I examples are these examples are tough because we only have nostalgia with Life on Z Seven. So I'm not. Oh, these this one specifically, yes. I just want to make sure and, that and it's clear that, that that's that a bigger factor in this applicable game. Yeah. across the board to everything. I I would say to your point, it's just a factor to say that you know the visuals are not going to kill the story is absolutely fair, but to say that they're not going to bother you at all, I think is interesting because. It's basically like saying you don't care how bad can. it is. I think they can, but I think it's it's easier to it's tell about, it, if they're not doing the job they're supposed to, even if they're that's not ex- brand that's new. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. If, a, if an element of a story is bad from the beginning, of course it's not going to hold up. And that, to me, is the more important factor there, and that's something that we haven't really explicitly stated. 
like if if visuals end up being bad because technology has exceeded where it was at the time that's not the fault of that element of the story that's just time i i mean there's nothing that you can do about that except slap a fresh coat of paint on remaster or remake the game and that's that but if that element was good at the time of its release and it was maximized at that time then in my mind it's good and it stays good because i keep in perspective that that was the best that could be done or close to the best that could be done at that given point in time so yes maybe that voice acting isn't the most amazing but it's still pretty good and it's serviceable and it was at the time, but because voice actors and voice acting has come such a long way and gotten better and we've gotten better microphones, we've gotten like all this better stuff, then yes, we can go back and look at that and we can say, hey, it wasn't, it, I mean, it doesn't sound the best now, but at the time it was phenomenal and it still holds up because of that reason. And if we look at another game and we're like, wow, those visuals are bad, but if we go look at screenshots of that game and compare it to other games of that era and it was still bad, then that story element or that element of that game that was trying to tell the story was bad from the beginning. And it, of course, then at that point, we should be like, look, it doesn't hold up because the art design was terrible when it was made and it's terrible now. And yeah, that's completely fair. But if you look at something like we keep using Final Fantasy or Metal Gear, because these are, these are games that obviously we because have a lot fantastic. of. Well, that, yeah, Everyone they're fantastic. Them, and we have so a lot of memories with discuss. like we look at something like Final Fantasy seven that was very blocky characters and it looks so ridiculous now. But like back then that paired with the FMVs, that was amazing at the time yeah. and it was groundbreaking and it was so beautiful and mesmerizing. And so now when we look back, we're like, yeah, technology has definitely come a long way. but we know that at the time that was the best that they could do. That was the absolute yeah, pinnacle of what not, they could do. And so like it's, it's that it's interesting for me, because like the things that people that like latched onto again are, and this was a big thing at the time was everyone, everyone knows the cover of final fantasy seven, that him, him standing there in a cutscene, like the absolute best he could look like, okay, imagine this for the rest of it. And that was kind of what they're asking you to do there. Um, I th and I think that's to its benefit. Here's the mental we picture we're helping you to paint. Yeah. Well, hold on, Shay. What you're doing yeah. here? What you're? What you're? If, let me get you under. I want you to clarify this. If I'm understanding you right, it sounds like you're saying because no, because we're all acknowledging these things were great at the time, and you're saying something like this is where I'm a little confused because on in one breath you said the the visuals in seven do would not detract at all if you were playing the game today, which is which is fair because that's an element of the storytelling. It's not all of it, it's an element. But you also said on the other hand that they look ridiculous. So your brain now is cognitive that you know it does look ridiculous, which to some degree would be a little bit distracting, right? Um, but I, I'm not saying I think this. I'm saying that I'm sure the general population thinks so you this. Don't I'm sure think people have never played Final Fantasy VII and go back and they're like, wow, this is tech technologically limited. But you can also still appreciate the visuals. Like, for example, when I went earlier this year and I went and played, um, um, what is it? Uh, fucking, I always forget this name. Wonder Boy and Monster World is a very old game. And visually, I'm like, wow, that is technologically very limited to what it was at the time, but it's still a gorgeous game. I'm for, for what it was at that time, it's still a gorgeous game. I can acknowledge the fact that it's technical. It was limited to what 
technology could do at that time, but I can still think it's gorgeous. And for me, yes, a lot of those early polygonal PS1 and N64 games are rough because technology, they were trying to figure it out. But also, I can still think yeah. that those games are gorgeous. You know, like the the original Crash Bandicoot, you go back and you play that, like it was a very... <laughs> It was a very technologically limited game, but I still think that those environments are gorgeous. I still think what they're able to, that to some... pull off with it is right. impressive textures. Exactly. So, because um, it seemed like that some for of me, knew... for me, I'm I'm able to compartmentalize those things personally, and I don't let it detract from the story that it's trying to tell. Yeah, I mean, because I mean, this... in something like. We've, again, bringing up Metal Gear Solid, the camera work they do in there, like they're able, Fantastic. they're able yeah. to frame shots mm-hmm. in a game where, like, that came out. In people 98. are people are just figuring out how the yeah. fuck to even operate a digital camera at that point, and so stuff yeah. like that, it, you end up with scenes that stick out in your mind because they're they know how to get across what they want with this digital camera. I think. Uh, Ocarina of Time has a lot of shots, especially in the very beginning, like when you're um, first kind of like like the moving camera shot as the game opens going to the, uh, the very first shot of the game. Yeah, uh-huh. it's like it's like that was not a usual thing. And it's like it doesn't stand out as something like, oh, my goodness, like. It, it, it wouldn't. It wouldn't stand out anymore, but you could tell that they wanted to do something interesting with the tech they were doing. And they were using every resource they they had. Yeah. 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 Well, that's why I think it's funny when Shay says compartmentalize, because uh, I think that's what my brain does too, but in a different way. Like, (laughs) I I will completely... uh, No, yeah, the Skype's fine, Shay. It just kind of did a weird, like, bloop. Um, Okay, I just wanted to make sure, because I checked my recording. That was across the board for all of us. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I tried to keep talking through it, but I'm sure it sounds awkward. Here. No, no, it was fine. <laughs> I was, I was locked in. Um, you know, it'll sound really good I, if we leave that in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> when, when she, I mean, when she I, was I, saying, it's, it's a part, it's a part of what we do. So I think that's okay. I, 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 <laughs> yeah. People. I mean, right now everyone's dealing with this shit, which is kind of funny. Yeah. Um, They're all in our Skype on, call. <laughs> yeah. All <laughs> every, millions of people. Everyone in the world has to record their podcast via Skype now. Um, but no, I, what, Sh- what Shay was saying, I think they're, they're, we're coming at it from the same way, but also different ways. I compartmentalize it as well. And Josh, you just hit on this. And Rich, you hit on this as well. The historian in me, when I play those old games, is fascinated by what I'm seeing from a historical perspective, like you guys are saying. And I can take value in that. But the other part of my brain is also like, Ugh, I can't take this seriously anymore. That's me. I'm not interjecting my views on yeah. you. What I'm saying is that for me, I do enjoy it from a historical perspective, but also I'm like, this guy's face looks like a block. I don't care what he's saying. It's hard for me to get into it now or, or well, harder it, to get into. So that's, I think that's, that's kind of, thing is interesting I kind of think about. that's funny because you, Oh, sorry. I thought you were done. The Skype call lagged there for a second. I apologize for interrupting. I think it's kind of funny that you bring that up because one of the things you said earlier, one of the points you were making earlier is that you think that humans or people develop a deeper imagination over time. Yet, if you're not able to look at a block character and kind of fill in the gap there, wouldn't that be the antithesis of what you're trying to say about imagination. Like if you, you or other people like you can't fill in the gaps visually, 
I would say your imagination has decreased because for me, when I played Final, like exactly what these guys were saying, when I played Final Fantasy VII, for example, and you see these very blocky characters, but you look at the cover art and you're like, this is ideally, if the technology was there, what they're supposed to look like. And if you look at like the um, the concept art of what Cloud and Aerith and Barrett are all supposed to look like, you can kind of fill in the gaps there on these blocky characters. They're kind of like Legos in that way. That like the the basic building blocks are there for you and you gotta you gotta use your imagination to fill in the gaps. And if you can't do that now, I would never say that your imagination has increased in that situation. I'd say that's the exact opposite of what that is. Well I, I think you're missing the point there a little bit though, because yes, the imagination is a part of it, but that's that's exactly what I'm saying is that you have to use so much more imagination now because the technology has uh has evolved so much and whereas in some cases the reason why why josh is saying something like six holds up more is because the art direction is so simple it's almost like in many ways reading a book with just a little character portrait right so whereas when video games accredit something like that to like like exactly the phrasing you're using morgan art direction where like even if that's technically not the case for the time it's the art is distinct enough. They're going for a certain visual style. They're not trying to make it look realistic. Mm-hmm. Yes. And they're, and they're nailing and, yes. the look they're going for. It is, yeah. In fact, yeah. Final Fantasy yeah. VI yeah. is an example. I think Josh said this earlier. Like The timing for Final Fantasy VI, that is like the pinnacle of sprite art. Like That is some of the mm-hmm. best in the business in terms of sprite work. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas, that, like, well, that's what I'm saying. I mean, about, think yeah. about Seven. Yeah. They made art on the PS1 look better two more times after that with Final Fantasy games. So, like, they sure obviously, did. 7, they were still learning how to use the tools and stuff. They were yeah. learning basically a brand new tool set. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. One well, thing that's, I wanted that's to kind the of expand about the on conversation that earlier, not... Morgan. Go okay, ahead. go ahead, go ahead. No, no, you go, go ahead. I'll forget. Okay, one of, the, one of the things I kind of wanted to expand upon what you're saying is you said that you have to use your imagination more for these scenarios. I don't think you have to use your imagination more. I think that's, I, I know what you're trying to say, and I, I want to reword it that way, like, so it, it comes closer to what you're trying to say. I, I believe you're trying to say, hopefully I'm correct in assuming this, maybe I'm wrong, but uh, you don't have to use your imagination more. It's like because of the visuals where they're at now, that because everything can be so actualized with the technology, that when you go back to those older games, you don't have to use your technology more. You have to use it in a way that you're no longer accustomed to. Because if if you're like if I'm a if I'm a, an exclusively retro gamer, I'm used to having to fill in the gaps there, right? Like even all these mm-hmm. games are releasing now, and I'm still playing the Super Nintendo and the Sega Genesis and the PlayStation One and the N64. My brain is wired at this point to basically fill in those gaps there imagination wise. So I'm not having to use it harder. I'm using it in a different way versus gamers now where a lot of things I don't want to say are spoon fed to them, but the visuals are so much more stunning now that there's less of a need for you to fill in the gaps visually uh, with most games nowadays. So I don't, I don't want to say you have to use it harder just in a different way that we're no longer accustomed to. I think, well, yeah, I, I believe that's yeah, the, more what you're trying to say, but I, I'm not sure. Uh, to, to, yes, to a degree, I think you're right, because the larger, going back to our larger topic here, I think 
what we're getting at is how unique our medium is as far as aging and how that works or even things that have aged better over time and why that is. And you know why that is? I think we kind of hit on a little bit. I think art is a big, think about films like uh, that, just that um, who framed Roger rabbit movie in a weird way that kind of holds up visually because of what they're doing. Right. Um, like if you think about because the art, Bob being so, <laughs> yeah. like there's so many examples we could point to, but I think what we're, we'll disagree to the end of time. If I look at those Final Fantasy seven characters, I do think they look bad and it distracts me, but I think that's a case by case basis. I think because it just happened to be at an important time where games were evolving. It unfortunately in my brain is a martyr for a larger thing. It was great at the time and it was important for video games going forward. But looking back, unfortunately it's a martyr because it just, it's too, it's just so bad looking to me, but every case is different. The art is so different in that case. It's a blocky ass character, right? In, in the case of, let's say something like shadow Colossus, Josh said the art direction holds up because they're going for something a little more, distinctive like every case by case basis it really just seems to come down to the art right and that seems to be the most imp- and th- but that's just one element of the story is there other things you guys can think of because we focused so much on that which i should just change the topic to how visuals affect storytelling because we, we riffed on that for like an hour um but there's so many things like video games tell narrative yeah. in other ways is you know what um music like rich was saying earlier music. i was gonna think try to get off the, the will of the wisps and ori in the blind forest yeah, music. Well, what were you going to say? And that's good. What were you going to say, Josh? Sorry, I didn't want to interrupt you. I, I was going to try to get completely off of the aesthetic stuff at the moment just so we could try to get on to, I don't know, something Gameplay? else. Gameplay, hopefully. Um, yeah, a lot of older games, again, historically, they're coming out of the home console market had completely crashed. Arcades were still kind of a thing. That first... The NES, Super NES, um, and I mean, slowly dying out from then on was this concept of a-, a lives, specifically lives, the idea of replaying big portions of a game if you die, mm-hmm. um, but kind of just overall, this thing is going to, you know, try to take your lunch money. Uh, lives and checkpointing and a lot of times going back to stuff like that can be painful um like i was going back through tenchu the first tenchu on stream earlier this year because i love that game can't go back to it because the way the thing is set mm. up you die you restart the whole level like the whole thing um and it's just like they assume that's what you're going to do. You have to have a perfect run of a level, which people are still doing that now, but it's easier to like quickly get back into a game. I mean, something like Super Meat Boy took that same idea. Like, no, you're going to do a perfect run of this thing, but shaved off everywhere where that could be frustrating. So just like get you immediately back into the game and like, okay, if we want to do this idea, how do we do it well? Whereas something like Tenchu, it's not. It's a pain in the ass to reload. And it's also... It's a fucking mechanic. Like, they don't intend you to reload. They intend you to keep going, lose a bunch of resources because you just lost a level and then not have them, mm-hmm. so the level is now harder. So yeah. if you lose a level, well, you're, you're intended to... It's, it's, well, it's permanently harder for you now, which means, okay, I lost a level, let's just reload my save. But it's just like, right. 
there's there's a lot of gameplay mechanics that the difficulty was the objective at the time instead of intending to give you the the idea of approaching it from this is the experience he wants you to have was still fairly novel at the time uh and games think, that understood that really hold up better i think you bring up a really um interesting point like i i have two things i want to say there first i think that uh, there are other elements of a a game that when it's trying to tell the story that I think I'm more tolerant of, and then there are certain ones that I'm definitely not tolerant of. And really bad gameplay, I think, is one of those things, actually, or game gameplay that doesn't hold up. Like visually, I'm much more accepting, but if it's like gameplay that doesn't hold up, I definitely won't. I won't um, be as empathetic or sympathetic and try and finish that story because yeah like you're saying with tenchu that is a rough scenario and gameplay can very much affect your enjoyment of a story as we will we will talk a little bit later about with uh ghost of tsushima but uh i think i think a good example and this is kind of what i wanted to say and actually ask you about josh and the rest of you guys is that for example i think this year this is a part that obviously you didn't like josh but in the last of us two when you are forced um, as Ellie to make like to brutally murder somebody and like there's no way like there's no way to escape that now I know you really didn't like that part Josh but I actually really enjoyed that part and um, I won't I won't reveal I won't reveal too much about that situation for spoilers sake and the reason why I enjoyed it and I told you this before and we discussed it before is because it 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 is a is a is a good um I think it it effectively gets the point across of how far you're willing to take revenge and how, like the cost and like losing your humanity triangle. along the way and losing <laughs> your moral compass along the way. A lot of a lot of things. And I can understand why you didn't like it, but I really enjoyed that. And I think that aspect of the gameplay of that game actually drew me in further into the story. Like, what would be for you, because you're giving an example of, like, really, like, gameplay that really turned you off of the story. What would be an example for you guys of, like, a a game that has really amazing gameplay that actually drew you further into the story that you guys can think of? Or, or, I like that question, Shay, because I was going to ask Josh how the live thing that frustrated him actually plays into storytelling. But if you can think of something that's unique to video games, like Shay was giving a perfect example as to how they're using gameplay for narrative purposes, especially with, let's say, maybe character changing and things like that. Can you guys think of examples, what Shay's saying, that are unique to video games? Totally. Um, I think, and this became more of the norm, and it's it's a tough one because like as time has gone on, we sort of found this to be less and less of a real thing. Um, but I think back to like when Mass Effect was first happening, and like this idea of video game being unique to the medium of video games of like, hey, we're gonna be telling this ongoing story, and the decisions you make are going to have like <gasps> give you agency and yeah. how the story <laughs> is shaped it Kidding. going forward and all this. And obviously, there's like a million caveats to that. And we kind of now have more an idea of what that actually means. But at the time, the mere idea of that, and even some of the smaller scale stuff that happens is still a novelty. Like, mm-hmm. the idea of, like, you know, 
Garrus, um, you know, remembering things I said to him in Mass Effect 1, in Mass Effect 2, like, it ended up being mostly small stuff, but it's still something that's unique to that medium. Has it aged well to you? How do you feel like that's aged? I think it's aged well. I, I think it's aged just fine. Part of that is because now I have a deeper understanding of what that is. Like, we thought it was going to be this grand spectacle of a thing at the time, and it ended up being a lot less of that. But now that I have an understanding of what it is, and I'm fine with that, I think there's a novelty to it. I think it's still charming, and I think a lot of games have gone on to do it maybe a little bit better. Do you think that the next evolution of that, even, like, choice and stuff, will be something maybe like a cyberpunk, potentially? or uh, I mean, maybe. I'll let you know when Frog Fractions 5 comes out. <laughs> yeah, I think, oddly enough, I think Talk we're basically stuck with exactly what we've got probably for the next 20 years at this point because this no, we'll last be generation they change this. the last this last generation they kept giving us i'm sure you remember all the tech demos like choice like talk talk to this real person and it's like you're in the uh-huh. room with them and it's like no none of that actually ever happened this generation Call Sean Ashmore a jerk eh, put on a vr headset i'm just kidding like yeah, <laughs> no, like, you were watching pornography morning mm-hmm. <laughs> I talked to her. But, like, we had these ideas. I feel emotionally invested for those three minutes and 30 seconds before I blow my load into this (laughs) tissue. Thank you. What an interesting thing to say. Wow, she's really listening to me. number, please? (laughs) No, Josh, that's a good point. I think it's a fair point. You you don't think we're going to see those. So you don't think that necessarily something cyberpunk will be a big evolution? I I don't think the whole everything you do completely changes the world thing. Mm-hmm. I think it'll be on the same scale. Idea. It's like it doesn't work for what people actually want out of games. Like exactly. If if, if you wanted something like that, time you otherwise. probably need to like I don't know, scrap graphics altogether, and and then maybe maybe bind it and put it in a book, and you can just pick the number you want to. Whenever Wait a minute. You, um, whenever you make a decision, we'll work on a game for I just ten years. Great right idea for it. I got a great idea for a text adventure. I'll be right back. Mm-hmm. But well, the, I think like, I think I, that's I the thing like at there's... the end of the day is, bit, like basically just to expand upon what Josh is saying really quickly. I'm sorry, Josh. Uh, is that I think people think in theory that they want a choose your own adventure style game, and a lot of people I know are here saying like, yes, that's exactly what we want. But at the end of the day the main the main masses don't want that like yes there are a lot of people that want that i acknowledge that i would love that but those it's games not a already exist of want. it's a matter of in like rich and josh are saying like text style games and indie yeah. games there are some games that are like that but well, they, there's yeah. never going to be a triple a game i believe that will be a 100% choose your own adventure because yeah, for not, example it doesn't, because it doesn't for example well. feasible if, well, it doesn't scale well, and also, if I'm playing a game, like, if the four of us are playing a game, and yes, it'd be interesting for us, because we're in the unique situation of doing a podcast, but say I play a game for 20 hours, I put 20 hours in this game, I'm loving it, and I get a really fucking shitty ending. Like, a really shitty mm-hmm. ending I'm not happy with. And then yeah. we're talking together, <laughs> and then you, you, one of you guys are like, oh, I got this happened. ending, I'm gonna be yeah. like, dude, I just wasted 20 hours to get this fucking ending? You know, yeah, like, no, it, like it, there's exactly. going to be some disparity it's, it's, there. It's, it's so, why Detroit that, yeah. doesn't work. It's because when you try to make these things go off in all these different directions, you end up with a million shitty directions um, and like two I, decent ones. And I, yeah, and I think I think there's the the 
I think we can get close to that. I think actually, coincidentally enough, one of Morgan's favorite games near um is it Automata or Automata? I can I, I forgot now. The first. Is it Automata? Automata. Automata. It's yeah. Automata. Yeah. Um one of his favorite games, like that game has so many different types of endings. And I think that that game is, uh, I, th- I think a lot of people actually love that game. And I think that's part of the reason why it's like, it's, it's as close to kind of like that choose your own adventure style in terms of getting a unique ending without being that's a little different. It, it is a little bit different. That yes. Game I acknowledge wants that. you to play it multiple times and see different things. And right. And that's, well, that's what I was going to get towards. There is okay, like, gotcha. yeah, but at the end, at the end of the day, you have to play it multiple ways and they're they're still you are still playing it in the way that the developers want you to play it so um we have a couple more things to expand on on this topic as well as read some feedback from patrons but we're gonna take a quick break and we'll be right back with more the chomp cast what is up chomp nation this is morgan here also known as General Mountain Time. And look, I want to tell you today about our Patreon. That's right, Chomp Nation is growing every day. And if you enjoy what we do, whether it's the Chompcast, our social media, our YouTube channel, Twitter, anything we're doing out there, you can support us. And for just a couple bucks, you can help keep us alive. And honestly, our patrons have basically become family. And I want to go over a couple of the cool tiers we have if you want to support us. And if you don't, that's fine, too. We're just happy that you download and check out the podcast. Um, our biggest and most popular tier we have is just $5. 5 bucks, you get access to early spoiler casts. That's right, Chomping After Dark. You get those several weeks early. You get access to our top-secret VIP Instagram page. That's right. On the podcast, you might hear me say, Hey, do you want to be a VIP member of the Chompcast? And you say... I sure do, I sure do. Well, guess what? Boom. That $5 tier makes you a VIP member. You get access to this secret Instagram page that has top secret videos and pictures and polls that only VIP members get. And those polls and those feedback questions that we get, if it's a question of the week, for example, are read on the show, we make you a part of what we do. Um, so go to patreon.com slash swordchomp. You can look for our $5 tier, which is probably our most popular. And then from there, it escalates. We have a $10 tier, a $20 tier for Skypes. There's a lot of great things. But just head on over to patreon.com slash swordchomp. Check it out. And if you want to support us, it would mean the world to me, Rich, Josh, and Shay, and everyone else out there in Chomp Nation. Until next time, General Mountain Time salutes you. And we are back with more of the Chompcast. We're going to continue our topic about video games and what ages and maybe doesn't age so well for us in video game stories, storytelling, narrative. And we have some comments from our patrons I wanted to read. Um, this is for Josh. Just... Oh, popping. What are you popping <laughs> over there? Oh, an energy drink. It's a Josh monster. I'm very up. tired. Mm-hmm. Dude, monsters. Is that just a regular green one? No, it's a regular blue one. It's low carb. I'm not, mm. I'm not a monster. Uh, <laughs> monster dot monster dot com. Get it, get a job. You know, it it does suck. Like I can't drink energy drinks because they fuck with my anxiety. But I did drink one just for experimental sake when I was playing Death Stranding last year, and I did like it. 
Hmm. In a perfect, in a, if they well, can move everything that makes job, it, then. that makes sense. That sentence really, advertised it really, did. really, uh, it did. I would have bought a monster just. I wanted to get in the mood and drink a monster and hold my baby guys, and play the game. Yeah. Interestingly enough, I find all these different energy drink brands are formulated in different ways. And for the fact, I switch them up like every few months, which what brand I'm drinking, because mm. I think my body just gets used to like the formula the and it stops yeah, it's either that or you'll eventually OD from, you know, downing that's, the entire six pack at once. That's the dream. Josh, do you think I'm going to pass up a chance to die? <laughs> Um, there was a couple things online with like when I gave that example at the beginning of the show of things that like on television, for example, that are a little like offensive. It's weird that you wouldn't think of them as being offensive at the time. I remember I was watching that fucking trailer for Rush Hour with Jackie Chan and Chris Tucker, and he had this big line in the commercial about how all those Asian people look the same, and he couldn't tell them apart. And I, and I, at the time, everyone in the theater laughed. No one, Is that no what one you thought think anything Tucker about it. Like? That's like, the strangest that impersonation I've ever heard. <laughs> It was like you were somewhere between Chris Tucker and Beaker. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, I, I wanted to do an impression, but I didn't, want to, I didn't want to sound, like, racially insensitive, so I didn't know how to do that. So you decided um, to mix it with a Muppet. Yeah. Yes. No one gets mad about Muppets. So That's true. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, and Dr. Teeth and the Electric Mayhem. Mm -hmm. Speaking of a Goose Game crossover, we're talking about the Goose Game later. Um, there are no Muppets it, in the Goose Game. So sad. Well, I was thinking about things... Think about those god of the god damn it, you guys. I love to have these conversations, but you're killing me because we'll never get there. Um, I was thinking about uh, in those first God of War games how those quick time events did not age well. The sex quick time events, <laughs> because Just at the those time, ones, was, not the other ones. Well, in general, quick time events I don't think are something narratively that have aged particularly well for a lot of people. Um, Maybe don't play Avengers and then. And <laughs> oh, are they bad? They're back. I played the bait. I was actually almost going to bring that up. I played a bunch of the beta this weekend. Oh man, you should, you should have. That's all. That's his five second hot take. Is a lot of and look, there are occasionally quick time events in modern games that are, are fine. Like I don't think, but I'm just saying in general the the extended quick time event, like the, the sexual quick time event, would be straight up offensive. Well, I don't know if it'd be offensive, but sort of like very like childish or immature to see just Kratos walk into a room and have a three way quick time event. Um... For whatever reason, I just feel like that would that would not fly today. Uh, maybe, maybe I'm crazy. There. No, I don't think you're wrong in that. But I swing in the opposite direction and feel like it's so bad they should have really dug their heels in on it. Um, mm. I wanted them to put it in God of War 2018, like where Kratos, like you walk up to the door and he's like, "Wait here, boy," and then you have to like, <laughs> you have to like watch a video of uh, a train being like just sitting uncomfortable there as the, as sitting the outside rattles. the door. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, that sounds amazing. He's like looking through the keyhole. Like, what's daddy doing? <laughs> Cover oh, your man. ears, boy. I, I take it back. I'm totally back on board now. Um, I was trying to think of examples like that, things that are very specific to video games that have had sort of an interesting aging process. Um, anyways, uh, there's some patron comments I want to get to as well. I just realized this topic is literally something we could probably talk about for four to five hours, which is insane. There's, there's a lot so of stuff we ways. do. I mean, narrative is visuals. Like Shay was saying with Ori and stuff, narrative is you can use music to enhance narrative. We just mm -hmm. talked mostly about the visual side of things for like an hour, but there's so many different ways that we could spin this off of. So, you know, it's lesson learned, I guess. But um, if you sign up for our Patreon, we will try and read uh, some of our favorite comments every week and talk about them on the show. Uh, Patreons exclusively get access to being a part of the Chompcast. Patreon.com slash SwordChomp. Yes. I didn't hear what you said, but I'm going to nod my head. Yes. 
Um, Rich Cornspace said, I would say a story that doesn't reference current day real world items. It's far fetched in a story or something futuristic. It seems to sick better. Um, like Ratchet and Clank, for example, holds up. Is there a story in Ratchet? I'm just kidding. We're not going to get into that. Yes, there um, is. Well, well I, it's a joke. It's a joke. I what he's saying, though, I think is is well is well taken. That if it references something very specific for the time, yeah. it may not hold up later on. Yeah, it's very odd watching movies that were set in the future that happened a few years ago. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it really is. That's yeah. actually my favorite. Yeah, that's it's, my it's favorite. It's very thing in the world. interesting whenever you start lapping movies set in the future. The far-flung future in uh, 1990. Yeah, so Mars 3000, yeah. blah, blah, And it's like, yo, that was already, we've done that. Yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting yeah. how anytime we start imagining the future, it eventually, once we hit that date, will become laughable in one way or another. Um, I, but, but again, it's not that it completely ruins the story. Like, if there's still a good story there underneath, like, it, it can work, but it... Those are, those sort of things really do stand out, or like whenever. Hey, get me a new Coke. Yeah, or or when it has like you know like a cameo from somebody who, you know, turns out they were a huge sack of shit, and now we all know. Um, Which Call of Duty game had Kevin Spacey in it? <laughs> yeah, it's like it's th- those sort of things you can't really plan ahead for, and are gonna. Yeah, it, it's not even a matter of, you know, something that went wrong in the game development well, or anything it's it's a, some, something went wrong in reality after the fact that <laughs> something went wrong so in broad. kevin spacey's guys... brain sometime in the 80s mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> ugh, ugh. can you kevin fucking spacey <laughs> um can you think of a specific example because we're using video game i want to make this kevin spacey crossover. in call of duty <laughs> did not hold up well there well that's no that's such a specific thing things in like a, a game that referenced a specific place and time that maybe has not held up well because i couldn't think of what on the top of my head but maybe you guys putting our brains together could um i don't know this isn't really like this particular subject isn't something i really did research on for the episode i'm sure thank you rich there are examples that exist <laughs> uh it's interesting God, yeah, it was tough to think of something, but I figured there... Because that's a, a generic example that would fit every media, but I was trying to think of something in video games that, like, where I can remember that that's, that crossover as something that... Um, hmm. Maybe maybe we'll look back on... I won't, because I love the game, but maybe I'll look back on 20 years on Far Cry 5 and be like, man, that weird Trump game, that, that weird take on Montana sure doesn't hold up well. Yeah. Who knows, you know? I can't that's believe they said years. all those horrible things. About our kindly leader in his first term. <laughs> uh, well, I think Trump the reason critics didn't like it is it didn't <laughs> in the sky. And they both no, Josh, remember you said the game didn't say anything. <laughs> That's the problem. The game yeah, didn't no, actually it, it didn't say actually, anything. Which was the kind of. That, that yeah. was your issue. It was like, isn't this crazy? Moving on. Mm hmm. That'll be fun to see things like that, though, that are very, like, set in a. inspired by a time in, in a way. Because that, that could be an example well, down I mean, the road that might be weird. Yeah. Think about all the brown people we shot in the years after 9-11. Like, in, in all the games. Just just all of yeah. them. Um, yeah. And then they wanted to shit on Medal of Honor for letting you play as them. Mm-hmm. Uh, Josh McMullen said, not to go into a dissertation or anything, but the answer is easy. A story stands the test of time when it's memorable, but that raises the question, what makes it memorable? That's the tricky part to analyze because that means different things to different people. Well, we've just fought about that for two hours, so that's very true. It's true. true. Um, 
Personally, I think it comes down to relatability. The story has to have some sort of universal truth that humanity can grab onto. Um, and let's see. <clears throat> For instance, Arthur... <clears throat> sorry, it's in my throat. Arthur Morgan's story and the arc is about death in many ways, but wrapped up within universality, uh, <clears throat> universality of death is these little pockets of specificity. Good God. He's using a bunch of words that I cannot pronounce on the podcast. Um, specificity. Like the death of the Wild West, or taken thematically as the loss of the way of life, or Arthur's actual arc where he has to come to terms with his own mortality. Um, so I think what he's talking about here, and I'm sorry for butchering a couple of those words, is just that there's all these different layers to to video game storytelling sometimes a universal humanity like yes final fantasy 7 is very silly but you're attached to the very human story within that it's telling of cloud and and tifa and Aerith, or i'm sorry aries um I just, aries! I just do that to piss you off i'm sorry uh <laughs> um but no i think it's, it's a great point you brought up De uh red dead redemption 2 which i'm happy about but i think his larger point is just something that's very relatable a human story will transcend time yeah um something that i think anyway unrelated to that specifically but something that really stands out we mentioned this with the monster energy drink who knows how long monster will be around um Every now and then you get these sort of oh, things where it's like God, you got product so tie-ins for shit that's just here and then gone two seconds later, and it's really noticeable I mean, afterwards. Well, and with like that reminds me, Josh, with goofy ninety games, nineties games, like it's very much of the time because they were for like, kids. But yo, like, Noid. Could you imagine if names like Pimple and Zit and uh, Rash were still around today? It'd be absurd. Mm -hmm. Can't imagine that. It's a hell of a segue. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately it wasn't anyway I uh, thank you Josh for the comment anyway sorry um, I'm just sitting there watching Rich drink his monster energy drink and thinking about one day monster yeah. well monster will be around forever Josh you know a nuclear apocalypse will still Listen, have monster don't kid Josh, more monster energy was here long before us and it'll be here long <laughs> we after we're gone it. It's, Look, in it, Death Stranding, it's actually he fills his... like oil. It's like emulsion from the Gears of War series. <laughs> we found it underground, and we just started consuming it. <laughs> Don't you remember how he, he filled his canteen in Death Stranding? Yeah, yeah oh in, in the rivers of Monster. Yep. I, yeah, it's yeah. just going to be part of the universe. Yeah. Well, no, no. What I was trying to figure out is, okay, does Kojima think in the future rivers will be made of monster energy? Or is everyone just carrying around some sort of like pill you put in your canteen that turns into monster? Either way, it's a horrible future. <laughs> I hadn't really ever thought about it, honestly. No, it's like those, you know, you can get water bottles that'll filter stuff out so you can then drink it after it just sits in there for a while. But people people realize that no one really just wants to have stale river water. They'd, they'd rather have Monster after all that filtering I mean, process. We, we may as well add a little something to it. To be fair, I was cursed by the wizard who owns Fox Racing, so anything I drink turns to monster as it passes my lips. Mmm. <laughs> um, Tawny said, uh, one of my patrons, Tawny Solomon said, I think it's the same criteria as a book or movie. God of War 2018, for example, that's a story about a father who has a hard time with his past and how he's expressing his, his emotions. After he lost uh -huh. his wife. Yeah. It's about the um, difficulties of, human of raising well, Loki. <laughs> that is a great example for a different reason. 
they changed they knew that that character and that style of game even narratively probably would not have aged well so they decided to make kratos a real character oh my mm-hmm. god um i still think people blow that a little out of proportion but i think part of that is you know he was a metaphor for gaming violence and then he became a real character a good character um and what happens when that you go is... home and you put down the blades of chaos mm-hmm. you know <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> Uh, but that's a good point because they changed over time. Like God of War is probably a game that maybe narratively has not aged super well. Potentially, just something to think about. Let's go back and play. Yeah, I wasn't the biggest fan at the time, but yeah, you weren't. I know. I remember that. Yeah. So I it was the, to... the story was your big. Yeah. Yeah. I like. You'd it. be like, wow, this is even worse. What if you went back and liked <laughs> them now, Josh? That That'd would be, be hilarious. Just shit. on how the story actually works now, this many years <laughs> later. This was the best game. This was the best game I've ever played. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, that's the thing about time, right? It all comes, it goes in cycles. So, there was. If I was gonna kind of playfully jab at the office earlier, uh, my personal favorite show. There is an episode about. Um, a black employee uh, called the convict that actually is very poignant now in many ways. Um, because of prison Mike. Anyways, it's just some of those things can the ebb and flow of time. Fascinating. Last one. Um, JT Ruiz says if it has Jesus in it, I don't, I don't, I kid, I kid. I'd say the biggest test of time is how well the themes of the story hold up. God of War will stick with me for a long time because to me, it's the story of connecting with your child over the loss of another. Um, your motherfuckers need Jesus. <laughs> yeah. I think, and that's one of the reasons why, like, I think personally, like, I connected a lot with Red Dead because it deals with mortality, which is something I have a lot of anxiety about. And I think for all you guys, I'm sure you guys would, there's something that, like, Rich personally connects with Persona 5 because of all the the dating of high school girls and stuff. So it's... Stop it trying can... to deflect your insecurities onto me. Hmm. Even as I said that, I felt bad. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh... No, I connect with Persona 5 because my cat talks to me. Mm. <laughs> it's true. It's true. My cat often um... tells me to go to bed. If you guys would like to put a cap on this, if there's anything you feel like you didn't get to express, the time is now. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. One of the last things I want to say about this, I guess, is that through all of the elements and stuff like that, I think the most important thing, um, and this this is like not like particularly eye-opening or anything like that, it's very, very standard, is that I think for me what holds up and keeps a story, um, it gives this story the ability to stand the test of time is the the fact that it's a story that people can connect with the general population. Um, for me, the most recent game of that would be obviously ghost of Tsushima. I connected with that game so much in so many different ways. And um, it's, it's a game that I know I'm going to be thinking about for years because there are themes um, in that game that speak to everyday life. Um, and one specifically, I personally hold a lot of value on, and I think about on a daily basis. And I think if a game can touch upon those, those, uh, yeah, those elements for the general population, then of course it's going to span generations despite being an older game. I think that's part of the reason why 
um, for example, Final Fantasy VIII. Um, Morgan holds that with such reverence, and he loves that game so much, is because a lot of that game is about um, teenagers kind of finding their way, a misfit group of people trying to find their way, and I think that Morgan probably in some ways feels that with kind of what we do here, you know, for example. Uh, for me, I really like um Final Fantasy 7 a lot because I feel I feel like there are certain thematic elements in that game that I really connect with and that's why it's stuck with me through the years and I think that we can all say that there are a few games out there that have these thematic elements that just resonate with you and you can return to it 20 years later and you can learn new things while also reinforcing those thematic elements that you you love and you connected with. Yeah, yeah, no, that's yeah. that's some some things are, and it's not just a game thing, but it's like any media. Like it just sometimes it's going to hit you at just the right moment, and it's going to click in a way you weren't weren't expecting because it's just something you were ready yeah. for. So. I, I think it's always, that's interesting always too, special would, whenever those moments happen. So, yeah, when I, when it feels click, clicks with you specifically, I think I've, I'm also I'm very jealous of Shay because like I like it's a good transition too because when I when I think of like Ghost of Tsushima, like I I when I turned that game off there, I feel like I didn't have anything to think about at all. And like I remember Shay was on the podcast and he had really good analysis last week about how he was noticing all these little details in the world about how you know it showed people like praying and that's how they pray in Japan and this and that. And I thought he did an excellent job of like running that down from his personal perspective. But I remember thinking every single thing he mentioned, I'm like, well, I just assumed that that's. I was like, Morgan, I didn't care want... about any of it, but it didn't. It it wasn't me. And I'm like, I'm jealous that he had such a a. a good experience with this game because I'm like mad. I'm like, I want that experience. Why didn't I get it? Morgan, if you really want to know how much uh, Ghost of Tsushima impacted Shay, uh, as him and I were talking about it privately over the week, I ended up recommending some Kurosawa films to him. Th that's that's where he's at by the end of this. Oh, really? So maybe he didn't realize how much he was into that sort of samurai kind of stuff until until this. So that's cool. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. One, one of the things, and this is kind of, kind of like as you're trying to lead into that conversation, one of the things I want to say is like, I was talking to some friends a few days ago and yesterday about this game. And I'm like, have you guys played this game yet? And they're like, no, we haven't had time, uh, money, yada, yada. And I was like, and they, these are friends in Japan. I was like, you need to play this game. Uh, and they're like, oh, we will. I'm like, no, but you like you specifically need to play this game. I mean, the game is amazing on its own, <laughs> but one of the things that by the end of this game, that I loved so much about it. And I understand this, that I love so much about this game is that it really reinforced my love of Japan and it really reinforced the reasons why I came over here to me. Like, it's very easy when you are in a situation for a long time to get jaded or to kind of forget the true meaning of what you're doing. We get caught up in the moment or we get caught up looking towards the future or our past and we're thinking about these things and we kind of forget what we're doing. And this game is just like completely reinvigorated that for me. Like I came over here to learn about a different culture and to learn about the history and everything involved with this country. And 
you know, I get caught up in my day-to-day stuff like working on this podcast, working at my job and playing through these beautiful areas. And it was like, man, I came over here to travel and experience just like everything Japan has to offer. And obviously due to current conditions, that's very difficult. But last year when I had the opportunity to travel, I chose not to, um, you know, I had some personal things going on in my life and I chose to prioritize other things at the time. But it was like, man, you should be out there traveling because this is what you came here to do, you know? And that, that was such a big impact for me in this game. Like I, like at some point between like in the middle of act two, I was like, fuck, I love Japan. Like, why have I like been so negative on this lately? I need to be getting out there. I really, I really love it. Why? Yeah. Why? I should play more video games. Dude, dude, the funny, (laughs) the funny thing is like literally what Shay is saying, it was like exactly how I felt when I was playing Far Cry. I was like, why am I not outside fishing? I live in Montana. This game is like, that's mm -hmm. the exact response I had. I'm like, why am I not outside enjoying this place more? Why am I doing it in a video? There are people out there and I hate Yeah, that's a fair fair point. Far Cry 5 isn't isn't an amazing game per se, but like, I definitely had that feeling too. Like when I was playing that game a little bit and going through the wilderness, I was like, I kind of miss Montana right now, you know, like being back in Japan. Or being in Japan, but I was like, I kind of miss being back home and just like being able to drive 30 minutes and go into the mountains and go hang out in a creek and uh, go fishing or, you know, just go for a hike. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with that. And I can see, you know, you mentioning that, that makes me understand a lot more why you liked Far Cry 5 so much. Um, But this game, like, dude, I I, I finished it a few days ago. Um, Okay. I, I know that, I know that Rich had mentioned that to try and get you to play it more. And I had mentioned it too, that act one is such a big setup for act two and act three. And what's unfortunate about act one, like I still love act one, but I feel like because they're trying to set so many things up at the beginning that it felt imbalanced in the sense of bloated act. It's a very bloated act. Yes. And actually in some ways I'm appreciative that it's at the beginning versus at the end, because like at the end, you're like, I just want to see how this ends. Wait, I have to keep going. I have to keep going. I have to keep going. But at the same time, it's at the expense of people like Morgan who are like, man, I'm really not enjoying this combat or this gameplay loop of having to track a bunch of footsteps over and over and over again, which that was not my favorite thing in that game, to be honest with you. But, um, it is a very bloated act and it kind of bars some people yeah. from getting into that story more because like act one is great. I, I love that. But act two but and act three up. are, it, it's all set up and act two and act three are really where the game shines. And if you have such a um, bloated first act and you're not balancing that out between act two and act three, it's more difficult. Like it's more difficult to sell somebody on that game. And um, like, obviously, I, I enjoyed it, Act 1 enough to get into it, because I, I actually really enjoyed Act 1. But the, obviously, there are going to be people like Morgan who are like, man, this feels bloated. I don't, I don't know if I want to keep going. And it, it's, gonna, it's going to well, bar it's, people. I, if I could just interject there briefly. You're, I, 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 don't even, I don't necessarily feel like it feels bloated, but I, I respect what you're saying. I, just, I like sometimes bloated games if I like what I'm doing. And, that's, and I didn't even hate the, the combat as much as Josh did. I just like... It just felt like a chore, and I could never get over the chore of it. And do you think like long term shakes? I know you're probably the highest. What we're talk- That's what we're yeah, talking. Yeah, yeah. But I, 
but like the actual going around the world and stuff was was fine, you know. But like, and you get, you know, but I, do you think for you? Because I think you're the highest of this, probably of all of us. Like, I know Rich really enjoyed it, and Josh really enjoyed I the like story. That game quite a bit, and and I had trouble kind of getting into it. But uh, you did say buy it on the website. Um, do you feel like the you're because you enjoyed the game so much, um, Shay? Do you feel like the the combat like will have like a negative effect long term for how you remember the game, or no? Um, the combat, like Josh and I were talking about this last night, um, while we were playing some Wargroove, the combat is serviceable. Um, what they were going for, I like what I told Josh last night is I feel like when they were making this game, one of the first things that they made was combat because the combat feels so dated. Like it feels like it came from like late 2000s, early 2010s game. It does, yes. It, it's something akin yeah. to that. But it feels so old school with some current elements, like some Dark Souls elements, like with the switching of the stances. Now, I say it's serviceable because you can still have some enjoyment. There were some things I really liked about the game, like standoffs and duels. I think that was awesome. That was Those were cool components. And as you get more abilities in the game, because the game does a really, really good job of consistently rolling out new abilities to you even into the third act you you have this awesome mission to get an ability to basically light your sword on fire with oil and climbing uh, that mountain is great yeah that was such an epic mission i absolutely loved that mission and they do such a good job of consistently rolling out these new abilities for you but they didn't like there, there, there was a lot of potential there, and in a lot of marks they did hit, like adding all these cool abilities. But also there were some issues, and this is what I was telling Josh yesterday. Um, for example, one of the issues I ran into, there were a few issues. Like when, like there are times where, like I would get a message from you guys, and I want to make sure I'm checking it in case it's anything important. So if I'm in the middle of combat, I'll pause the game for a second, read the message. Okay, not important. I can go back. When you're in a duel, you cannot pause the game because the enemy gets a free slash on you. And when you're in those duels, every hit on you matters, right? And like it's, I found it really weird that basically you cannot pause in a duel, otherwise the enemy gets a free hit. You are penalized because because <laughs> you're not immer- you're not finishing. Well, and you were on hard too, to right? Finish, which was kind of. So. I was, yeah, 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 yeah. I played the whole game on hard. Um, another big issue I had with the combat is when you when you perform an attack or an attack is performed on you, it stops your animation. Like you're doing a combo move, or the enemy's doing a combo move. When you land a, a successful attack, that is supposed to stop the animation, but that wasn't always the case. Sometimes when um, you would land an attack on the enemy, if you'd like, if you preemptively predict where that's redundant, if you predict where the enemy was going to hit and what kind of attack and you roll across, like roll to the side of them and then attack that in theory should stop that animation. But that wasn't always the case. And it was really frustrating because when you hit that enemy, Either they could block middle of their animation, which Josh made a good point about this last night. Um, If you get a perfect parry, that makes sense. But sometimes, and this is what happened to me, I would hit the enemy and it wouldn't stop their animation. And it would actually redirect the animation to re-lock onto me. 
and then the rest of the animation would be finished attacking me, even though I just landed a successful attack. So there are definitely... There, I had some other issues like that. I don't want to sit here and gripe about every single one. I wrote down like four issues in terms of the combat. I just think that the combat had a lot of potential, but it didn't quite hit the mark. I, I think that there were some bugs there. I think that there, there are some elements that are reminiscent of a generation before's combat. And it's, it didn't detract from me from the story i still love the fuck out of that story but also i know for josh that he didn't want to entirely finish the game because the combat he just did not enjoy you know and that did and again for you morgan that also impacted your desire to continue in that story not necessarily how much you like the story but your desire to continue i mean I'll let Josh talk to her because I already talked about Josh. Do you have anything you want to say to that? I'm sorry. I don't want to jump in. Yeah. Like I, I mentioned this, I think the first time we talked about it, about how the way the combat, everything's locked onto something. It just doesn't work half the time. It's, it's just buggy. It's, it feels, it feels like it doesn't, it, it's, it, it doesn't work well enough for what they want to do. Um, so that's, that's kind of, it. that's the biggest problem right there. Cause that's just combat as a whole, just sometimes doesn't, it just doesn't it just doesn't work the way it should um i think as far as the way it's built and they intended this but it's just it still a problem i still think the stances are a train wreck as far as like they don't do what they say they're supposed to do and also i was talking to shay about this i was talking to morgan about this they fucking force you to use the right one because they will pause your game in the middle of combat and force you to change and be like, yeah, you stances. should be, you should be using this stance. Yeah. Oh. And it yeah, is just yeah, exactly. obnoxious to have a game pause your game and make you change how you're playing it. And it, like, I was talking to Shay about this. Like, I I I brought it up last week. Like, win stance doesn't work. It just doesn't work properly. You shouldn't use it. You should kill all spear users by eventually leveling up. I mean, granted, you can do this however you want, so do it however you want. Either use use items on them, or like the, the thing that I really liked, you can, um, if you really want to focus on parry, you can make their attacks parryable, or I like the, I actually like just so all the combat's not identical, having the perfect dodge. So there are still unblockable attacks that you can, perfect dodge and then counterattack and that i think that felt really good as far as um having having different responses to different attacks it like it got it closer to a place that was just good in general so i would never change stances fighting spear users just never because it's not worth it i'll i'll fight these other things and then i will eventually while i'm doing the rest of these fighting you know like fighting the rest of these guys have having them follow me around swinging at me I'll eventually get a perfect parry or or a perfect dodge and just one-shot them. But then because of the game's really awkward lock-on system, every now and then you're just going to accidentally attack a spear user. And after that happens, you know, two or three times in an encounter, the game's going to pause your game for you and force you to switch stances. And Yeah, and that keeps happening all the way through the game. It's not like a, oh, you must have missed this in the tutorial thing. It happens start to finish. It will pause your combat and 
and interrupt what you're like why why would that ever be a thing that somehow it's weird got yeah. through to, to to the shipped version of the game if i could just note i think every stance works once it's fully upgraded yeah but you don't need them i agree with you 100 josh like 90 percent of the time you totally don't need to switch like you can mm-hmm. play it how you want to play it if the game would be willing if to it would let you, you. Yeah, and like, but it goes out of its way to say, I, "Oh no, you're you're doing this wrong." I do think that will be patched out. Um, I I you hope are not the I only really hope they do because it has shared that thought. It's a weird choice. I just kind of switched it up to keep things like moving quickly, so I actually mm-hmm. only encountered what you were talking about once. Um, and it's kind of crazy to have heard not just from you but from other people that like, "Oh no, if you don't listen to it, it'll keep doing that." It keeps doing it. The, yeah, I, yeah. I had it do that. <laughs> it, it goes into Acts three. He's like, I will that. not listen to this game. Yeah, I had it do it like in the right in the middle of a story sequence. Like I just broke my uncle back out of prison, and we're we're going on this whirlwind tour, setting things right and all this stuff. And they're like, Oh hey, you, you remember wind stance? Your you old buddy, your old pal. Maybe you should use wind stance right now. And I just turned the game off. I'm like, okay, no, like, we're done for I now. Should. We're done for now. I'll watch the patch notes, and we'll 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 get back to you. Um, but it's just like it it goes out of its way to try to make you play it in a certain way, which is it's me bizarre. I yeah. So man, this is such a fat. This is weird. So I yeah, I see what you're saying. I I think for me, I didn't actually dislike the combat. I thought it was polished enough i just yeah it was just felt really old to me but i mean it's 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 not the end of the world if i don't like one element of a game that much like like i was more mostly ambivalent on the story like i told you guys there was i couldn't get into it i was but shay was like it gets a lot better or something all right like i look at something like horizon zero dawn i wasn't really into the i like the idea of that game a lot but the storytelling for me just wasn't it didn't do it for me and i went back and played that game recently and i i was watching some of the cutscenes. i'm like yeah i just it's not doing it for me i'm not impressed but I love the gameplay in the world so much that I was able to find something to latch onto. And I think in this game, until I was able to get into the story, all I had was the gameplay. And because I couldn't get into the gameplay, really, that was sort of why I kept hitting that wall. Like, I'd be like, oh, I want to go clear this fort so I can get a point for something. I don't know, a point for things. And then I had to kill 50 guys, and I didn't enjoy killing them. And they just surround you, and I I just, like, thousands of people... (laughs) <laughs> they're just everywhere and it's like i don't know i didn't i just didn't think it was bad i just couldn't i just had just i feel like i was stuck in the mud with the combat just shuffling around and i just it didn't engage my brain i didn't my brain was not having a fun time with it um well i i think that's kind of why i rich and i said earlier that act one is long in the tooth and i know you you don't entirely agree with that but like in retrospect when you get to act three you see what we're talking about because in act one Sorry, uh, Tokyo Drift is going on in the background. But um, in Act 1... on for me. I will. And uh, Vin Diesel will make a cameo. But anyways, uh, when you get to the later acts, that's when you really start getting a lot more of these abilities. And you get a lot more of your like okay. side weapons and whatnot. And you really are able to... Uh, maximize your potential in that combat, which it gets a lot better. But in Act One, because you are so bare bones, uh, you are you are even more handheld in combat. But like by Act Three, you can use the kunai to do your approach. You can do a standoff. You can approach it stealthily, and that's one of the things I really love about this game. Like the combat in this game is 
that it gives you the ability to try it in so many different ways. It doesn't always execute it properly or efficiently, but it gives you that ability. Um, I remember that you guys had mentioned that the role in the game is not really is not really that necessary. But I found when you get further in the game and you're doing the duels, the role is mega disengage. Like, it's so much more helpful to use that role in the later duels. Obviously, earlier in the game, it's not necessary at all. Like well, I made it, it all not through. Not just that, but good it also doesn't work because of the way everything is locked on like sometimes a single dodge will get you out of their range and a roll won't because they'll just because they're locked onto you make all their animations go like four times as far as they would have normally it's just bizarre seeing an attack change how far it goes because you happen to roll while the attack was locked that you. yeah i admit yeah, I was talking about that with Josh last night. Uh, the final final fight in the game, that becomes glaringly apparent uh, that there's a there's an inconsistency there. But like, the, there are certain that fight aspects did about take the me a handful of tries. Mm -hmm. That fight yeah, also I, it shortchanges you because it locks you into what armor set you can use. Um, yeah. I have a lot of problems with that fight in that it kind of the entire game lets you like play it your own way, and then that fight is forced into doing it a very specific way that it wants you to do it. Yeah, that that fight was that was that fight blah blah. That fight was frustrating in that it kind of locked you into a certain thing. It was also frustrating in that was the most souls-esque fight that you do. And it in that not only the difficulty level, but the frustration in how cheap that fight can be in certain areas because of the animations in that final fight. But I, I want to move away a little bit from the combat on that. Like the combat is definitely a content. I think probably the most contentious thing about this game, which is why we're talking so much about it. But I wanted to tell you guys a few funny little anecdotes that I noticed from this game. Um, because obviously part of it is I live in Japan. Part of it is because I, uh, my affinity for certain things. So uh, there is some definite allusion to Lord of the Rings, the two towers, with the siege in Act Two, you there's a siege in Act Two, where basically you have to defend the city as the Mongols are attempting to invade, and um, Yuna says a line in there that says, "What chance do a bunch of farmers have?" And I don't know if you guys have read the books or seen the movies. I don't know your guys' experience mm -hmm. with Lord of the Rings: The Two Towers, but there's a very similar line that Legolas says in The Two Towers to Aragorn. And I just, I found that really funny. I was like, oh, wow, there is definitely, like, that's a little, like, Easter egg right there. I thought that was cute. Um, another big thing that I wanted to say to you guys, this is more um, that I've, I found really fascinating, is there's a shrine in the game. It's called Spring Falls Shrine. I don't know if you guys remember this one. It basically takes place um, around a waterfall in a big pool of water. And that was my absolute favorite part of the game. Like, is the mo in my opinion, is one of the most beautiful locations in the game. And the reason why, and this is for me personally, is because you're basically navigating this area to get to the shrine, as is kind of like the Assassin's Creed um, when you go into like certain uh, like churches or temples or areas like that um, to figure out the puzzle to 
get the treasure or whatever. It's kind of similar in this game. But that area in particular, because a few years ago, as you guys know, I've talked about it many times. I went to Okinawa. Um, and one of the things I did there was I did this small hike. And it's just like this very lush green area. And like you start it out, it's like on a man-made road. And then you have to actually um, hike into the creek for about a quarter to a half of a mile. And then you get onto this trail and there's this area where you can cliff jump into this like small pool of water. But at the end of it is this gorgeous waterfall that you can just stand under. And it was just like, it was this absolutely mesmerizing area in Japan. And it was this surreal experience of like, I'm on the other side of the world hiking into this very like Japanese traditional looking forest. And then I end up at this beautiful waterfall. It's like this tucked away oasis absolutely one of my favorite experiences in my entire life and i basically got to relive it again by playing this game and going through this exact sequence and it was just amazing like to be able to relive that um through the game is is so cool and i think that's what's really cool about games is like they can help you relive certain memories or certain things or remind you of uh certain experiences but like that was that was one of those things in the game i was like yes like absolutely loved um without going into too much detail because obviously it's a spoiler um i don't think more or i don't think morgan i know morgan hasn't gotten this far i don't think josh has gotten this far maybe i could be wrong rich obviously you got this far uh yuriko's storyline that was really unexpected and i really really liked that setup. Do you remember who Yuriko is, Rich, or no? Um, could you refresh me? Because I might be thinking of the wrong person. She is the caretaker of the uh, Sakai residency. Okay. Yes. Yes. We are. Yeah. No. That that story does go interesting places and leads into some interesting telling with uh, your gear and all that, like you were talking about. Yeah, man. Like. I was the reason why I bring this up is because it's a it's a microcosm of the bigger point I want to make is that I was not expecting this character to like appear because you like you basically have a mission where you go back to your old your old residence or the the Sakai residence um Jin Sakai is the maker been assuming you were dead since this event sort of right since everything had happened, happened right and so you go back and you go back to your caretaker that she's been there since you've been born, essentially, taking care, and she's still been there taking care of your residence. And you basically have this set of missions with her, and it's just, she's there for such a, a like, she's such a, uh, an, an important character for such a short amount of time, but the screen time that she gets is it's so phenomenal. impactful. Yeah, it's phenomenal, and, like, just, I think it really speaks to the writing here that, like, all the characters that are introduced are very well written in this game. I know Morgan didn't feel this way. Morgan um, felt that. I don't think he got to the better parts of those vignettes, though, to be perfectly right. honest with you. Like, they shine. Some of the longer bits are in Act 2, and then they really have good closure in Act 3. Um, I think, to your credit, what you're talking about with Yuriko, I actually, you bringing it up immediately reminded me of the last mission with her. Talk about beautiful views in this game like that cliffside that that mission kind of ends on. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Like it's, and that's uh, again, kind of actually in Morgan's favor of like when a game is visually stunning, like it can add so much depth to, um, I like to walk to the story 
and pensively play my flute mm-hmm. at sundown. Yeah, I um, but I just like I I found it so fascinating that they like all these characters in this game are v- very well written. Even Jin Sakai, who Morgan felt was like a cardboard cutout character, At first he is. I don't feel I that way. He, obviously, I and I, I feel like if he gets further in the game, he won't feel that way as well. But um, just it, yeah, it's it's it's. He has an arc. He has a very clear arc, but it takes a little time to get there. I think. Yeah, he's he's very stiff yes. at the beginning, and there's way more time put into introducing everything else going on that uh it takes a while before his development really starts going places and you start to understand why he's the way he is at the Mm -hmm. start of things through flashbacks and things like that um i i do i think i like i even said when we were first talking about this game when i was like a few hours in i think Jin's stiff i don't think he's much of a character i coming up the the back end of that game i think he's a great character yeah 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 he's he's like the the way he develops is amazing the way that these guys develop uh this studio uh sucker punch develops their characters is incredible um for sure like every character has a place that you like every main character or even foil character main fo- i don't know how you'd say that main foil uh any prominent character that you meet that is given a name and screen time is a well-written character. Um, you absolutely, yeah. like you either, you love them or you hate them. Like I hated Kotun Khan, obviously. And that's what you're supposed to do. And the writers so well did a good job. So well, yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like every character is very well written and you, you, you are so invested in each character's arc. Um, yeah, I just I want I w- today about Norio. Mm. Uh, another great arc through is uh, that the the wander the warrior monk Norio is another character with a great. I was gonna say no, Norio is probably my favorite. Honestly, um, I think all, For me, I it think was all Lady Masako hands down. Mm. Masako yeah. is amazing. Masako is amazing. I loved Ishikawa, Sensei Ishikawa. I loved Kenji's story, actually. As short as it was, I obviously love Yuna's story. I love all the stories in there. I just, I loved Norio's because it was... Shocking in it, a way. The, the, it was shocking. It was so layered. There were so, there were so many layers there. And I'm glad Morgan's not here to make his typical layered joke. But mm-hmm. um, there are so many layers to that story. And yeah, just the way it, the way, it, where it goes is just not what you would expect. And I, I, I just loved each one of these characters for so many different reasons. Like I even love the con because you hate him and he's, he's so easy to hate. Um, so I love that. Absolutely love that. But yeah, I, totally. the, the character, like. Here's the thing, and I, I, I want to stress this to a lot of people. I, I understand there are probably people out there like Morgan and even like Josh, where the combat is preventing them from playing this game to its fullest extent. I, it's rare that I would ever tell somebody to stick with something even though they're not enjoying it. The story in this game is so amazing, and I, it's stuff I want to talk about, but obviously I we can't do spoilers right now, which... Uh, we're going to be doing a, um, a Chomping After Dark 
next week on this, so we will be getting into full spoilers. But this game, like, I've taken away so much from this game um, on a personal level, not just like an enjoyment of the game or as a as a uh, uh, asshole who speaks on games for multiple podcasts, but like in my personal life, I actually took things away from this game. Um, as not a just the day asshole. Yeah, exactly. As as a day-to-day asshole. Yeah. So I just, I, I want to implore people, like, if you have not played this game, just give it a shot. And even if you're not, if you're not enjoying the, the gameplay mechanics and loops and whatnot, just watch the story unfold on YouTube. Like, watch some Let's Plays or watch someone stream it, whatever, however you want to in, um basically get that experience i don't care however however you want to but it's worth it the story in this game is amazing and i the reason why i implore people to play it is because when you actually get to experience it firsthand it obviously enhances it even more this game is amazing um i did not expect to like this game near as much as i thought i or i didn't expect to like it as much as i did essentially at the end of the day I fell in love with this game so much that like I had plans this week and I shirked all of them to just stay in my pajamas literally for three days and just sit on my couch and play and beat this game because I could not get enough of this game. Um, Where I was doing that with Darkest Dungeon, uh, like just powering through that game just so I could be done with it and remove it from my backlog. This game, I didn't want to do anything else but play it. And it's... And the the ending, the way it ends, is so well done, and um, I can't wait to talk about it on the Chomping After Dark. I really can't. I'm so excited to talk about this game with you guys. Like, for me, the level of excitement is on par with like when we talked about Ori and the Will of the Wisp, Final Fantasy VII remake. Um, I I I I was still very excited to talk about The Last of Us too, but it wasn't just like that pure excitement. Because I knew obviously there was going to be some contention there, but yeah, you were I, obligated. I'm to absolutely elated to talk about this game. Yeah, yeah, I can't wait to talk, dig into this one too. Because uh, I was very much going into it initially, thinking uh, when we did talk about it, I was kind of the only one who gave a shit. And then very, you finally got to it, Shay, which I'm glad you did because you seem super, super ecstatic about it. Yeah, yeah, I absolutely, absolutely love this game, hundred percent. I feel like worth anybody's time. Um, just keep in mind that the combat may not be for you. If that's the case, maybe just turn it down to easy and power through the combat. That way you can get to the story and the visuals and everything else. And one thing I, I know you guys mentioned um, is obviously the the uh, picture mode in this game is phenomenal. Um, oh yeah, the photo mode is the best photo mode I've ever seen. Yeah, I know you guys mentioned that. So it's it's... It's it's worth it. So, um, what one thing I wanted to mention to you guys while we're waiting for Morgan to get back, he's putting his child to bed really quickly. Is I wanted to mention this very briefly. Um, I was playing, so I was playing this game on Morgan's PS4 file. He had offered it, and I was like, I'll like I'll give it a try to see if I like it. And then I ended up just like the first night I played it for like six hours. And at that point, I should have just bought the game and started over because uh, it doesn't quite work on Steam. Like when when we share games with each other on steam like multiple people can play that game right but when you do that on playstation because you're sharing accounts that it when when the original owner of the account signs in you can't keep playing that game unfortunately 
So there are times where Morgan was playing No Man's Sky this past weekend, playing the new update. I'd be in the middle of playing the game, and then I'd get booted from the game because he wants to play No Man's Sky. So I was like, all right, I'm going to my backlog. And I was trying to see what games I hadn't played. And I know you guys loved Untitled Goose Game last year. And I'd been wanting to play that game, get around to it. And I just, you know, obviously I didn't have time. I didn't prioritize it. And then finally, I was like, well, I have nothing to do. And I'm itching to play um, Ghost. So I'll just plug in this game. And I thought I thought this game was going to be a lot longer than it was. And I'm actually glad it was such a short, contained experience. But Untitled Goose Game, fuck, that game is so much fun. Absolutely amazing, adorable game. Like the, the second you pop, the goose's head pops up, you're like, oh, fuck, this game is adorable. I know exactly what I'm getting into with this game. And um, that that game, I can see why it was such a phenomenon last year. Now I can see completely why it's such a phenomenon because like it's adorable, adorable, and it's endearing. Um, but I really like the like the little puzzle solving in that game. I really liked how how that all unfolded because it was it never took itself too seriously. And I feel like sometimes puzzle games do that. They it take they take themselves way too seriously. And this game yeah. kept it all in in term uh, terms of the whimsy of the world, yet giving you puzzles to solve. Yeah, I I th- I think part of the reason it worked so well is, I mean, oddly, like we were talking about how a lot of times gameplay can impact the narrative, and in this case. Everything works together to get across the feel of that game so well because there's a lot of like game logic type solutions to stuff, but you're a goose. Like you're you're there to yeah. cause trouble and like giving a doing a bunch of, of stupid shit to do. Kind of like it. It works because you're a goose. Like if something doesn't quite work right, or you need to try something again, or try something different. It feels like you're just this, you know, mischievous animal causing trouble. And it's you're it an agent works, of chaos. It works because of it. Um, whereas, like, you know, it would be frustrating in another game if you're, like, I don't know, a detective or some other game character, like Shooty Man, trying to figure out how to get through this yard <laughs> or whatever. Like, it would be frustrating, yeah. but you're just there causing trouble. You're, you're a goose. You're well, having untitled fun. Untitled Goose Game is basically hitman but you're a goose yeah it is it's very much like hitman as far as like the whole figure out how you know these people work and and do a thing that's that's kind of what you're doing same thing as hitman but it's charming instead of you know you're killing a dude exactly whenever i think of how uh weird goose game gets i always think of it must have been like launch week there was a penny arcade comic like the week at the time where the entire premise of the comic was like these tasks in goose game are getting kind of hitting some kind of moral gray area and the list was like steal cindy's diabetes medication and sell it back to her (laughs) (laughs) that's amazing yeah like I, i agree with you though that the a lot of the puzzles in the game like there are some of them that are fairly difficult. Like you have to logic your way out of some of those puzzles and it's really difficult to figure it out, but it doesn't completely detract from the fun. Like there are times where I've played puzzle games and 
the the solution is just escaping me and I'm not having fun at that point. I'm just sitting there trying to solve this this puzzle and I'm like this is not fun at all. But with Untitled Goose Game, you can basically if you're not like if the solution is not coming to you, you can just go wreak havoc and be mischievous for a few minutes and just fuck yeah. with the people in the in the area. You could be like, "Oh, well, I can't figure out how to make this kid change his glasses so you know what i'm just gonna pull everything out of the supermarket before the lady chases yeah. me out with the broom so like th- they're still fun to be had and i think that's part of the charm child. of the game mm-hmm. yeah ab- absolutely part of the charm of the game is like basically uh-huh. i can have fun even though i'm not doing exactly what the game wants me to do and and, t- and it can also like it's a way to actually figure out some of those puzzles. Like if I'm just messing around, it gives me some form of inspiration. Oh, I can actually do this. Okay, maybe I can do this in this situation yeah. and solve the puzzle. And so, um, yeah, I I didn't want to talk about it too much. Obviously, a lot of people have probably played it at this point. I know you guys have already talked about it. Um, is a very is a cultural phenomenon last year so much so that, um celebrities were tweeting about it and absolutely love the game i see why now it got all the praise it got and it, it's well deserved um i actually and it's kind of funny because didn't they just announce this week that there's a new multiplayer coming to untitled yeah Goose game? there's an update yeah there's an update coming next month that will add co-op um another fun caveat note about untitled goose game something fun to think about it's the only game where you can't drive a car and yet there's still a dedicated honk button Mm. <laughs> True. You're not wrong about that. Uh, yeah, but yeah, the um, goose game. It's it's a fun game. You're on the goose game. Holy shit. Yeah. If you guys are like looking for, it's it's a very short game, like max four hours, depending on how long it takes you to solve those puzzles, or if you're. I bought it wh- soundtrack on vinyl. That's awesome. That has a great soundtrack. But if you're huh. Wiz Prodigy. Mm-hmm uber fucking That's... puzzle 3000 like josh it'll probably take you 30 minutes but uh me well, they have enough me... things because a lot of it is the fun is in screwing around in that game that yeah a lot of times you it's not something like oh i know how to do it a lot of times it's like i'm gonna chase this kid into a phone booth yeah like let's let's see what fun stuff we can do here and it's just it it is it is fun to poke at like it is it's just it's just it's a joy to be in that world and and screw around. I I think uh, that's what Mike, sets it it's up great, it's a apart. great game for. Sorry, one thing I want to say. Go ahead, you go. No, you're fine. Finish one part, thing I want to say is like it sets itself apart from other puzzle games, and there comes a point in a lot of puzzle games where you need to take a break and you need to think about it, or you're solving it because you like at this point you want to finish it, like you want to solve all the puzzles to be done. Um. You want to finish what you start. But this game, particularly as a puzzle game, is so unique in that it wants to contain you in that world because of the hilarity and the mischief that you can cause. So most puzzle games, you're wanting to solve to finish it and to like have like a eureka, I'm smart moment. This game is like, yeah, the puzzles are fun. The mischief is way much more fun, and I want to stay in this world despite the objective is to solve puzzles, just to fuck with everybody. So it's it's a very unique experience. It's such a simplistic idea. They absolutely hit the mark on the game. 
Yeah, I hate it. It's the worst. No, I'm just, I'm just kidding. <laughs> my my kids make Screw me play this, this fucking game every goddamn day. Every fucking day, my kids make me play this fucking game with them. I will say, this is a great game for children because you, like Shay was saying, you know, you just wander around. You can honk at things, pick stuff up. My kid, my three year old, she plays like a little Animal Crossing and she plays Goose Game. She can play this game really well, and like. Because it's it's she doesn't know how to pull up the objective screen obviously and do the little the little missions, but she can wander around the world and do all sorts of cool stuff until she hits a point where it's like, okay, daddy, I want you to get me through this gate, and then I have to you know do the objectives for her really quick. So um, mm-hmm. it's it's a great game for still, kids, man. Both my kids fucking love this game. Still hoping Nintendo finally catches the hint and makes that Legend of Zelda Skyward Sword spinoff we all want, Untitled Groose Game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Is that the name of the bird you fly around on? No, it's the, Bruce is a it's man. the guy with the, the pompadour. Oh. <laughs> uh, there's a lot of Gru's today. So there was Gru from, um, uh, what's it called? Despicable Me. Me. Then there was Gru's. Yeah, from sorry. Minions, there's the Gru's from Skyrim. From the franchise um, Minions. <laughs> I thought Shay was saying Groot over the internet, which is from, of course, uh, that silly marvel movie that i can't remember the it's name guardians of. of the galaxy sir yes that one um a lot of a lot of grueling today so that's my yeah. shitty thought we'll be right back we're gonna take a quick break and we have more of the Chomcast waiting for you so uh, we'll see you in just a bit ladies and gentlemen this commercial is brought to you by chomping after dark our brand new podcast where we deep dive on video games talking about the story in full detail that's right, but we don't just talk about games. We've also talked about many wonderful movies. We talk about things from triple A titles to indie darlings to movies that just plain made us laugh. Yes, we are still waiting for the cat's butthole cut. If you wanna check it out, please head over to swordchomp.com or any of the major podcast apps where you listen to podcasts. And if you feel like, dang, I just want to get this podcast two weeks early, head over to patreon.com slash swordchomp where you can get access to Chomping After Dark two weeks early. All right, we are back with more of the Chompcast. Uh, <laughs> so, um... As far as we're wrapping stuff up, Josh, you finished Origami King, right? Mario and the yes. Paper Mario? Yes, I finished that this week, which was excellent start to finish. Love it so much. Um, like, oddly, oddly enough, I finished that and uh, Necrobarista this week, and uh, like, it's, it's not, not a secret that game endings generally suck. Both of these games have just excellent endings to them, just narratively tie up things really well. Um, Origami King has such a good last boss. Um, the every every um section of that boss fight is fantastic and like so, so good. unique. Uh, also nothing beats a good pep talk from Bowser right before you take on a boss. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's just uh, it, it was so solid, and the end of the ending of that game just made me love it even more, which is always surprising when a game actually ends well. Um, but 
briefly, how did you fall on at the end of the day uh, at the combat? Because the the only the most common comment I get on the Instagram or people talking to me is I love the I love everything about this game, but I hated the combat. It felt like a slog. Do you disagree with that, or or did you really enjoy the combat? I mean, it's just puzzle stuff. It's I like I, li- I liked it better than the usual combat because the usual combat is mindless JRPG Bad mindless. Stuff. Yeah. Um, and so this hey, is at Rich least, is at least you're doing a random puzzle every time well, an enemy no, shows I, up. But it's not fair. Uh oh, he's shaking his head. I, oh, he he doesn't want no, to disagree no, with no, you, Josh. No, no, I I liked the combat in this. I'm trying to disagree with you, Morgan. Um, <laughs> uh, what what did I I didn't even have an opinion. Well, <laughs> you were clearly trying to bait us here. Um, I haven't liked the combat in Paper Mario since Thousand Year Door. I really okay. like the combat here. I, I could say by the end, it gets to maybe be like, all right, I get it. Like, I've seen these same puzzles a million times. But by that point, you kind of have the tools to just skip it if you want at that yeah. point. Well, by that, the end, that, you that's can a better way literally it, just pay to yeah. have the fight end. Which and, I did a lot of because yeah, And I, most of the fights yeah. give you as, as much as a reward as it costs to skip them. Yeah. So if but, you really don't you like the combat, you, you can kind of just... I mean, not not the bosses. The bosses are still kind of their own thing, and those They're are great. Yeah, you know, pretty much always unique. Yeah, always unique and, and different. I think, but like the the, uh, the stapler was maybe I really like the mechanics built around that because mm-hmm. I think it was. I think this is true of most of the the Legion of Stationary enemies, but the stapler especially. <laughs> like once I realized how he was attacking, you just kind of think about how a stapler works, and you're like, oh, yeah, now it, I know how I can beat yeah, him. Yeah, exactly, and it it's... works, and that's hilarious. Did I ever did I ever tell you guys that I'm, I have like a weird fear of origami? Um, huh. Uh, when I was younger, like, and I looked at yeah, origami, probably you that was not racist. just because the origami, <laughs> not just the origami killer from Heavy Rain, but yeah, there's something about origami that when I like, look at it, well written. No, it you're me, just it makes you, me feel weird. Well, it makes you realize <laughs> that you're actually a replicant. <laughs> yeah, you saw the unicorn and then you knew. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, no, yeah, but that's a better way of putting it, Rich, is that people were saying, not that the combat was somehow awful, but because there was so much of it and they found themselves want, they found themselves wanting to bypass it instead of engaging with all of it is, that's kind of an interesting well, I think the game kind of leaves it open for you to do that towards the end, especially when you consider that there's no experience points. Yeah. Um, and you're pretty well kitted and, to go yeah, like, I'm just going to circumvent yeah, these combat encounters. Money is kind of the only resource. And there's a ton yeah. of it. The last dungeon, the Origami Castle, is the only time I I like saw a couple encounters. I was like, "Fuck it, let's just get to the boss door." Like, okay, I okay. was just like, "Let's get through to the end." Yeah. And then that boss fight was incredible. Yeah, I think the combat's really solid. I again, I think almost all you reach a point RPGs where you've seen everything. Get to a point where there's not much yeah. going on. In the JRPG genre encounter, and not having experience gives you no incentive to grind it out. Yeah, for there's any yeah, reason. there's no reason to really do that. Like, in, unless you are looking to buy a specific thing, but then again, fighting stuff isn't the best way to get money in the first place, so it's like... Exactly, and also noting, the combat in this, there are puzzles. So you reach a point where you've seen every puzzle, and you know every solution, and you're like, yeah, let's just move it's, on. You're going through the motions yeah, at it's, that point. Le- at this, yeah, yeah. this point, you're almost just like, it felt to me like it was late, and I was almost at the end of the game, and I'm like, we're just wasting time now. I know how to do this. Mm-hmm. Let's just get to the end. Yeah. That's a tough issue to circumvent. Also, but the game makes um, it easy to circumvent, and that's yeah. why I don't really think it's a problem. No, I think there's value in that when a game allows you the ability, like when those when you go to play those older JRPGs and they have like the fast forward button, like 
that was one of the reasons I really enjoyed playing through Final Fantasy XII again. I mean, you could say it was pretty slow originally, but like having that fast forward button was like, yeah, I'm taking advantage of that button, mm-hmm. man. Fuck yeah, so dude. like, yeah, yeah I, it's nice seeing I, I don't, new yeah. games start to realize that that can be an issue. That I've got shit to and, do. And I gotta do, get to the bank stuff and to, the grocery store. Yeah, like I, I appreciate whenever games are, you know, when they respect your time. Yes, yeah, and this one does Give because option, as yeah. as you level up again there's there's not experience but you'll like you'll get more health through the game and as you get more health you'll eventually get to the point where um the, the paper mario games like if you hit an enemy first you'll have an advantage when combat starts that's kind of that's always been a thing uh actually i think you can have, i think in most of the older ones you can actually just kill enemies outright as well but this one later in yeah once you're like super yeah, strong like super compared strong. to certain enemy types yeah it's like the basic goombas like you jump on their head and they just die you never yeah. even enter combat. I, I don't know how to feel about... This is a transition, by the way. Sorry. So, I, um, so yeah. So, overall, you really enjoyed it. And, I really uh, enjoyed it. It was just excellent writing again. Um, and I really liked the combat. Um, it, mm-hmm. it, uh, like all combat in an RPG, essentially, it's going to get repetitive. This is a unique combat thing. So, it's, it's repetitive because, kind of like Rich said, you'll eventually have seen... Basically all the puzzles, a lot of times, if it's something I'd seen, like it takes, it, it's, it takes you two repetitive. seconds to get through it. So it's not like, oh no, this is going to yeah, be forever. Yeah. Um, when you see the repetitive stuff, it, it blows by, which I think is kind of nice. Repetition is, is a part of video games. It just affects people differently. It yeah. seems like so. Yeah. And yeah, I'm making great philosophical statements. Repetition affects people differently. Wow. Heard it here first. Mm-hmm. Um, How profound. You know, we really... Thank you. Thank you. Um, Shay, I'm not sure how I feel about you getting all the. Are you going to get the platinum in Ghost of Tsushima? Because that'll give it to me. And I don't know how I feel about having a platinum I don't earn. Mm. I didn't earn. So here's, here's the thing. Um, you already have it. I went out, I went out and got <laughs> 85% of the trophies for you. Um, I decided to leave the other fifteen percent for you. Hmm. Oh, if I end up Just enjoying like the it, pre-nup. then I can get the other fifteen percent. <laughs> you right. got that much? That's right. <laughs> well, when she no, I... for... oh fuck, I was gonna. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Watch what you say, Mister. No, um, I yeah, I realistically, I would love to one hundred percent this game because I absolutely love it and I want to spend more time in the world. But I also also want to give you the option to, um, if you enjoy the game enough later on, to spend more time in that world because I, like, I did um almost every possible mission that you could. I missed one or two missions that I might go back retroactively and play just because I want more story in this world. And that will give you another trophy. But other than that, no, I'm not going to get you every trophy because I know you had mentioned that. Uh, my original plan was to figure out which trophy was the hardest one and to get every single trophy except that Leave one that. to force you to have to play it and finish the game. None of them but, are I mean, hard. I saved you some trouble. Yeah, 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 yeah. They're, none of them are hard. They're just time-consuming. So, Dress like Sly Cooper. Um... I want so we really got to talk some. Uh, I'm double checking my list here to make sure I didn't skip over anything. Oh, Josh finished up those Necrobarista and Paper. And um, by the way, they have reviews of those up on the website, um, so you can check those out. From the one only Rich Maestri is a review up for Paper Mario and the Origami King, and goes to Tsushima. We got some reviews up 
at swordshunt.com. Um, we got to talk some battle toads before we get to the polls. We Fuck have yeah. to talk toads. We won't we won't go too crazy because Josh hasn't played it yet, and I don't want to torture him with like yeah. I think we can keep it brief, toads. but I played a lot of battle toads uh, yesterday. Literally yesterday when it came out. Have you ever heard the term fog of war? Yeah. What if you change that to frog of war? They're toads. Well, it's about toads, not frogs. Then, but then what if you changed frog of war to frog of battle? And then what if you changed frog of battle to toad of battle? They're battle toads. And then you switch the words around to where it said battle toads. I'm sorry, what was your question? I, just, I was really He's thinking just about that a lot last night. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this is my this is my sketch. This is my it's Michael only Scott like, sketch. What? Um, two, two more degrees until you're at Kevin Bacon. So. Yeah, just about. <laughs> well, Rash and Kevin Bacon mm. um, were both in X Men First Class together. Ah, yeah. Okay. So, uh, I got some questions about this game uh, comedically <laughs> sure. to start with. Why are the, all the frogs named after acne? Because they're supposed to, like, okay, you got to think back when the first Battletoads Battle Maniacs came out. Like, the whole point was gross out. Like, look at these toads. And I, they were more so meant to be, like, in my opinion, at least at the time, thinking back, it was almost like a parody of, like, the Ninja Turtles. Um, But they had, like, elegant names like Raphael and Leonardo. How did they yes. go from that to Zit and Pimple? Was, par- was parody <laughs> unclear? Uh, okay, I get, well, I mean, that's a... I guess that's an extreme jump, and but I like, see your whole point being like, oh, they're these gross toads, but they're superheroes, and they're here to save the world. Yeah. Um, Do you think the it had a, to play on like how frog people get warts from frogs, and their backs are kind of bumpy and stuff like that? Well, yeah, that was definitely part of it. Like frogs are a little bit grosser in terms of like the amphi- like you know in people's opinions in the terms of like how amphibians go, frogs and toads. But uh, yeah, Zitrash and Pimple are back. Uh, in a new battle toads that I am weirdly loving. I thought I'd fire it up for like a half hour, see what it's about, and I'm really fucking into it. Yeah, I've been enjoying it too. Um, for the most part, I've only I finished the really long vehicle mission last night. That was the last thing I yes, did. Yes. Um, oh. If you didn't play the original Battle Toads, the the whole point of them putting that mission in and having it be the second mission. Uh, is in the oh I remember I remember yeah, that the original Battle Toads the second <laughs> mission is a a similar one but it's so fucking hard it's where most Brutal. people just quit the game stop uh yes. so most people haven't yeah. seen past the second mission um that one works fine we looked that up before the show it was called Battle Toads in Battle Maniacs for the Super Nintendo what I'm gonna say I'm really loving so far for one I mean it's a brawler a beat 'em up uh up to three players uh. I've been playing it single player. I'm assuming Morgan has as well. The thing I really like about the sort of changes for single player are you can actively switch between toads by using the D-pad if you're playing single player. And they Mm -hmm. reward you for switching mid-combat to, like, change combos up. Um, And all three of the toads play fairly differently. Like, Zitz is really fast. Um, Rash is kind of the middle ground character. And then Pimple is the slower heavyweight one. Uh, so they all have a little bit of a difference in their play style. Yeah, I really like that ability to switch. Um, that's probably one of my favorite things about this new game is how easy it is to switch and how beneficial it is to switch. Um, in the third level, um, you are riding like a motorcycle or a motorized vehicle 
through various areas and you're trying to dodge. And if you're using the big character, it's not necessarily it's more difficult. Dodge, yeah. It's not necessarily more difficult to maneuver, but because of how much screen he box. takes. Yeah, you got a bigger hitbox and um how much visually he takes up uh sometimes on those pinpoint precise um actions that you need to take it becomes more difficult as a result uh yeah the, i like i like the third level a lot because it reminded me of the that early level of when i was a kid but i could actually finish it but <laughs> from a gameplay perspective but it did seem pretty simple aesthetically i'm like nah. they didn't put a lot of look into the they didn't put a lot of time there and effort is, into the visuals of that level no there's not much to but, that level but i think it is to what you're saying morgan kind of a referential thing um I think the levels only get better, um, and they kind of drag you into later areas. I think it's 25 levels total. Um, they drag you into later areas in some pretty, like, comical ways. I think the, the, the writing is actually so fucking good, like, way better than I expected. And it hit me pretty hard, I think, when the, the quote-unquote second mission, the menial jobs mission... Um, that was so which is like, yes bit. i agree that stuff so you you were talking about the setup for the show the setup for this game is actually pretty clever the entire premise of it, the game it opens up feeling like you know you're the battle toads at the top of their game you're beating up these villains and going down the hollywood hall of fame and you beat up uh <laughs> pork shanks one of the battle toads villains from the previous game and literally it cuts to the battle toads then flying through the air and i believe it won at one point, Rash yells, we are God, like just talking about how undefeatable they are. And then basically it's revealed that they have been trapped inside a simulation for 26 years and they are not famous and nobody gives a shit about the Battletoads. Mm. Yeah, that was great. That's that was a little rough. <laughs> and which, which is a perfect you know, way to pull them back after all this time, because, you know, in a lot of ways, I don't think people really do give a shit about the Battletoads. With- um, this game is much like the development of a new Battletoads. Is about the Battletoads searching for relevancy in a modern world. With with such a name that most people would recognize, and you know, like David Wise in the original soundtrack, well, you really think there would have been. Well, yeah, you'd think there would be more interest here. Do so it's very weird. Do you guys remember? Because I never really remembered if it was a regional thing. Do you guys remember the GameStop Battletoads prank? I don't. Oh, Tell me for about many it. years, this was a meme, like, when I was in high school that I remember You're distinctly. You're a meme, you bitch. Thank you. Um, thank you. Whoa, that hurt my feelings. Your language. Um, people at GameStops were getting furious because people would call up GameStops and talk to the guy for, like, 15 minutes, 20 minutes, trying to be like, I'm looking for this game and, like, describe it. I can't remember the name of it. And then finally, they would be like, oh, I remember now. Do you guys have Battletoads? And, like, it became a joke. Like... People oh, just getting, yeah. They'd be like, I swear uh, to God, if you ask me if we have Battletoads. Dude, yeah. Like, so that oh. was one of those things, legitimately, when I worked at GameStop four years ago, we had to kind of be briefed about. Like, like unofficially <laughs> briefed about. is like, because this is such a widespread meme that some people will call asking about Battletoads, and it's a meme, and you don't indulge them. Or if you indulge them, just be very professional about it. So, yeah. Well, I think I it became that. a real problem when they brought back selling retro games. I'm like, well, now GameStop actually has to carry copies of Battletoads. Mm. So this is going to be an issue. <laughs> well, I mean, like, you think that's kind that... of swerving into that at that point. Yeah. Do you think the DLC might introduce a new character possibly named Herpy? 
No, I do not. Um, it's a little heavy-handed. I, well, I will on, say Rich. this: the, the fucking the story is pretty heavy-handed. <laughs> I mean, the names are pretty heavy-handed. Like, you don't think her Morgan is working with what he's what he's got to work with. They go, what, is a, what is a herpy but a zit this, of the genitalia? This is our cousin, so. gonorrhea. Like, it's, it's like, you know, we gotta draw a line somewhere. Well, this is our mother, cold sore. Cold sore, that's another... <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's... I, although Rash kind of sticks out like a sore thumb, ironically. Rash, um, uh... I also... A sore thumb, being... a sore shoulder, a sore abdomen, wherever the rash is. Uh, <laughs> Just sore... to, uh... <laughs> To touch on it quick because like we said we don't want to harp on this for too long because we'll probably talk about it more as we play more um the art that i didn't like when the game was initially revealed has grown on me quite a bit especially now that i've realized it's almost like looney tunes aesthetic they go for uh yep, where the, yep. the toads kind of change shape as they attack like pimple's charge move he literally turns into a charging locomotive yeah, I love that stuff, actually. Although it seemed a little random to me. Like, not every time I hold B, it would be kind of the same thing. But there was a lot of those, like, moves I was like, you know, I'm kind of button mashing. It's a brawler. I feel like they were doing different shit all the time. Like, no, it's pretty... One time it turned into a shark. Well, one it time depends it turned on what into toad a... you are. No, I mean, like, just the moves they were doing, I, f- I don't know. I probably no, wasn't paying all, enough attention. No, they're all pretty consistent. Just... Uh, okay. Because okay. there's not a lot. Well, I thought that'd be kind of cool if, like, the up, like, the jumping up kick was, like, a slightly different thing every now and then, well, like, visually, but. No, they're all pretty much the same. Like, Rash turns into that shark, uh, whereas Zit literally pulls out a jackhammer. Uh, well, well, that's the thing. There's no there's no logical correlation. Like, why would he turn into a shark? Why <laughs> it's, it's not? ridiculous. When, just, he, when he when does it, one his, of them, when he does his knockout move, why, his hand turns into an inflatable. Why are ticket. you trying to apply logic to a game that's about three toads fighting people? Like what? And because, there are enemies shooting well, lasers. Why. why are you trying to apply logic to I do love the absurdity of it. I enjoy the absurdity of it, especially anyone that turns into a shark is cool. But to Shay, to answer your question, I imagine people sat around and really thought about this. There might be a no, reason why, they why there's a shark. I, because they were going for, like, a Looney Tunes-esque aesthetic. That's it. There's, you don't need to read into it any more than that. Like, it's... Shay, I need, we need you to do an Evoking the Sublime. Uh, get in touch with the developers. I need to know here's, here's, why. Here's the thing, Rich. Um, back in the uh, 2000s B.C., there is a subsect of the Mayans who uh, turned into, the into locomotives. Yeah. They turned into I locomotives. Really which, had not been, which had not been invented yet. <laughs> you know what they say about a frog, a bullfrog? It's the locomotive of the animal world. But, uh, oh yeah, I mentioned that menial jobs chapter. I found that incredibly hilarious. Like the brief section where the toads all get jobs and you have to like type at the office. Uh, and the, oh, yeah, the idea like, of that stuff yeah. is awesome. Yeah, it, it it it's a really good laugh. It's played for a really good laugh, and I think the writing that, only gets better yeah. as it goes on. The the thing I will say is like, I it's interesting. Like I haven't played a Battletoads game in so long, and this kind of speaks to what we were talking about a little bit earlier. That I haven't played this style of game in so long. That like playing the first three chapters of this game, I was like, Wait, "Didn't you play Streets of Rage 4? Uh, I'm playing the first three chapters of this game. That was a terrible attempt at a joke, but um, the first three chapters of this game. What? I wasn't joke. <laughs> me or you? I'm lost. I'm sorry. Now you're good. Me too. I'm always lost. 
Um, they each feel like a. You're diff- talking about you. You were saying it was a joke because you did play. Okay, I got. I'm trying to catch up. It was a joke because you did play Streets of Rage Four. Is that what you're saying? No, that's not the joke. Gotcha. We're lost oh, here. I just let him finish. <laughs> each chapter feels like a different game. Um, like the humor still translates, and like the story is the the thread between those. But each chapter feels like a very different game. And I wasn't sure how to feel. That's about not the that. case going forward. It's pretty much a beat 'em up after that. Like with the occasion of like the things like the menial jobs chapter, which don't really feel like full levels. It's more of like a gag in between levels. Um, is there more of those? Yeah, there's more stuff like that on it. Okay, um, that's cool. That's did you are get there more racing the... chapters? No, that's just a reference to the thing from the original Battletoads. Huh. Okay. Um. Did you, Morgan? Did I you hate get that chapter? Did you get to any of the Toad Shambo stuff? Uh, come on, again? On occasion, <laughs> uh, are you familiar with Rochambeau? No. Uh, like rock paper scissors? Yes. Okay. Yeah. That it. Rochambeau is also <laughs> a name for that. I feel like we literally had this conversation on this podcast at one point, or in the WhatsApp. We definitely wow. did. Never mind. Um. Yeah, there is a point. There are multiple points. I've seen it three times now in the game where uh, the Battletoads cannot make a decision on what their next move should be. So they challenge each other to a game of Toad Shambo. And literally, I can only imagine this being weirder with three players because you have to physically put in your input for what you're selecting, depending on which Toad you were last playing as. That is. Oh, man. Okay, well, we'll, we'll catch them more on the game. Yeah, I'm, ha- I'm enjoying it just fine, but. um. Yeah, I, I do. I actually disagree with you, Rich. I think the overarching story is clever, and I really love it. But I think the actual dialogue is. Ugh. I feel ugh. like you're looking for a weird level of substance from the dialogue in Battletoads. Well, you said that the well, when you say the story is what did you say great or fantastic? Yeah. I still consider dialogue part of the narrative. Yeah, you know? but like, it doesn't seem as witty looking, as the overarching ideas. I'm not looking for fucking like Gone with the Wind here, man. Neither it's, am I. It's Battletoads. Gone with the Wind I is mean, also racist. Battletoads so. 2020 has the ability to be <laughs> the citizen gain of our <laughs> gaming generation. Uh, that's so forgettables? Oh, damn. Rich. <laughs> Morgan. Well, Shay would agree with you that it is forgettable so far. Remember, he's... Um, I, no, I'm, I'm actually enjoying the humor of the game well. so far. Like, I'm, not, I'm definitely not taking it that seriously. You're not. I don't but think you're supposed to. You're not so, but, well, and you're not supposed to. Don't tell me what I'm supposed to do. I'll live my life however I want to. Well, you're um, doing it no, wrong not, so far. Somebody's got to help you. I, do, <laughs> I didn't say We're I was trying to help you, I just Morgan. said that the quality of the humor and the dialogue and the voice acting and stuff, I thought to be very cringy, but the overarching, like, silly story of the frogs doing their day jobs and being trapped in a simulation, that was all very clever. So that's what I'm trying to say. Joe Josh, what the fuck is Josh doing for? I'm analyzing everything, Rich. Nothing is going to get a free pass, all right? I don't know, man. It's like um, a Looney Tunes level like interaction in the dialogue. I, I just don't understand the, the problem you have Well, the execution it. is better. Looney Tunes would probably be a better execution. Um, I will agree with you, though, that like seeing the art in motion uh, it looks good. definitely is. Yeah, it looks good. It looks good. 
I, I was telling um, these guys it I reminds me a lot so... of Earthworm Jim in terms of the art and like because Earthworm Jim is in that same yeah. vein of just being zany and silly. I knew that's exactly but what thankfully, I was walking into. I would really like an Thank- Earthworm Jim game. There's a new that Earthworm Jim coming bad. out, but thankfully uh, it's going to be on a console you'll never own. Is that real? It's coming to that new Atari. Um, I will then go out to point like unlike Earthworm Jim, to my knowledge, uh, the creators of Battletoads are not hate mongering morons. Oh, is that a thing? Oh, no. So, no, you know. I feel bad now. Earthwind Jim would be another fun game to go back. Anyways, um, thank you for that uh, breakdown of hate mongers in the gaming industry, Rich. You're welcome. Um, <laughs> hate mongering 101 with Rich. No, that doesn't come out right. Um, breaking down the hate mongers in the gaming industry. Rich Meister. Uh, so we're going to take our final break, and then we will get to the polls and round up the show. So we got some hilarity that will ensue. So we'll see you right back in just a little bit for more of Chompcast. All right. So we're back, and we're going to round up the show here. we got some hilarious polls to discuss. Um, Josh, why are you looking at me like that? Where have we been? It's 27 days since the last break. Where are we? If you vote on the Ad Sword Chomp Instagram page every Tuesday, Where are we? Day, it was a little, and we allow mail-in it, voting. We we do. <laughs> oh, I saw the best tweet about that today. I think I sent it to you guys about how for someone who is really a big fan of a, a mail-order bride, he is. Oh yeah, no, I did. That was pretty good. Dis, distaste <laughs> yeah, for, yeah, the for, for someone whose wife came in the mail. is <laughs> a surprising distaste <laughs> for the post office. That guys, I have a quick question for you so though. Good. In all seriousness. Where are we? Well, we're all in different places. (laughs) I'm in Montana. And I'm in hell. Rich is is from Brooklyn, where they get Brooklyn-style pizza from I am not from Brooklyn. You're you're from Brooklyn? (laughs) You're from Brooklyn, Rich? He's from the five boroughs. I'm from Brooklyn. Brooklyn? (laughs) Oh, that reminds me. Do you guys think it's cute when people say no? Um, <laughs> I forgot what I was gonna say. Now you bastard! <laughs> Hold on. Uh... Oh yeah, and when they say hello, but in the cute like anime way, like hello. Do you think that's cute? No, I don't. What just happened? Hello, hello. You're describing uh... <laughs> baby talk, and no, that that has never been cute. <laughs> That's not that's oh, not God. anime, Morgan. That's uh, little Einsteins <laughs> is what you're talking about. That's not an anime. No, no. That's an animation, <laughs> but not an anime. Uh, hello, whatever. whatever. That's that's our new um, band name, Rich. Hello from Brooklyn. <laughs> uh, we'll play some really smooth jazz, and we'll be like, "Hello, we're." We are hello from Brooklyn, and we're going to play some nice smooth beats for you. We're playing you right from um, under the Hawaii wine. <laughs> One of our first polls this week, 60% of our audience said that uh, Ghost of Tsushima is the uh, Japanese, basically a Japanese Assassin's Creed game. How do you guys feel about that? I'm pretty sure the developers were American. <laughs> yeah. Uh, one thing, actually, I did do research on this because I actually was asked the question. I was curious, like, about the creation of this game, and I did some research on my own as well. 
So I was curious if Kotun Khan was actually based off of a real character. And a lot of the set pieces, like the characters and stuff in this game, are actually not real characters. And the reason why they did that is because the studio actually went out of their way, Sucker Punch went out of their way to ask uh, people who are more informed than they are if using actual historical figures and characters would be cultural appropriation. And uh, the people they spoke to were like, yeah, that would be cultural appropriation if you guys do that, obviously. Um, you're not from Japan, and so they. It a lot like of these ca- talk to people who didn't know about cultural appropriation. But then again, if they're making a ridiculous samurai game, then yeah. If like, you're not you telling don't want to yeah, do that yeah, for exactly. different reasons, but also act, yeah. I I mean the the Battle of Tsushima was real, but the players and yeah. the events specifically right, exactly. of this are not. Yeah. Yes. Right. Yeah. No. No. A lot of a lot of the uh, a lot of the. Uh, a lot of the uh, events and whatnot are based on a true story. It's just like the actual characters in I play actually, um, are not are yeah, not because they didn't kinda, want to. It's like the offend anybody. Of, but you know, but like, <laughs> I actually talk a little bit Mel about Gibson? the yeah, uh, yeah, like nothing there exactly actually like happened like they're showing. Like but, Mel Gibson wasn't even there. Yeah, um, <laughs> I actually shut the fuck up. I, I actually talk a little bit about the history of it in the uh, intro to my written review on the website. If anyone. It's interested in that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Oh. I just, I think, I, I think it's it. really, I think it's really yeah, cool that Sucker Punch went out of their way to not only check to see if what they were trying to achieve here was going to offend anybody they did their and homework. how they could, yeah, and also exactly they did their research. So, um, yeah, I, I, I think that. Granted, I've never played Persona, and I, I still need to. I obviously, what a but mistake. I think. I think that this game is such a cool representation of a previous era of Japan, and there's still some relevancy. Isn't it kind of to current mm. Japan in terms of the uh, some of the traditional stuff that they do? Man, you should play Yakuza too, Jay. It is it is kind of funny that they 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 did the research, but haikus were not invented yet, and yet there they are. So. Uh, you know what, man? Haikus can't be tamed, and who the fuck are you <laughs> to tell me when haikus were invented? What do you think you are? The Wikipedia article I checked it. I'm just, I'm just a guy reading angry people on the internet and then transferring that bad information back to you. That's, that's all I can the do. The weirdest thing about that is I don't know how many haiku I've said since now, since playing this game, and not a single one has turned into a headband. I've been trying for so long. Bullshit. It's yeah. It's just I don't know. I don't. I don't know why. It's fucking wild. Um, say it harder. Yeah. Next time. Ew. Um. Yeah. So I think that's fair. Shay, you'd probably maybe you'd enjoy the Assassin's Creed games more than a well, lot more than even I would because it sounds you I, know you got I, really into. This actually, game. I have a qu- I have a quick question. Sorry to interrupt. I was I was doing a little bit of research. No, you said that fine. haikus were not invented around that time. Is that what you said? Yeah, that's correct. I I don't know if that's true or not. Like it was given the name haiku in the 19th century, but I don't know if they were necessarily "quote unquote" invented at that the form time. of poetry like, may have existed, but it might exactly. have not had the name haiku. Exactly, like it may have not been given that name until much further. So I, I just, I'm not well, saying you're wrong, the Morgan. I'm just saying I wanted to Ghost clarify. Of Tsushima, that. then fine. <laughs> yeah. So uh. so it is odd that they were called that. So they should be in the game. They should just not have a name. Exactly. And also, but they like, should probably for... cut that conversation that you have with... They should call him a 575. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Did you make that five seven five, five poem? Seven, that go that go nana go poem. Josh will get that. Um, but no, no. Uh, to to answer your original question, Morgan. Yeah, I do feel. Shows. <laughs> my favorite. Nana is always up to something. Uh, no, I feel. Just... That I feel like this is. <laughs> Jesus. I definitely feel like this is the Assassin's Creed Japan game that we've always wanted but never gotten. But I also think it's better than Assassin's Creed as well, for sure. In terms of well, the story, which one? There's 19 of them. I was gonna say that's All so tricky though because you have to grab. You always have to have that caveat about the gameplay, but Assassin's Creed gameplay has changed so much that people seem to really enjoy it now. So it's tricky. Um, but yeah. yeah, from a story perspective, let, let, let hey, me let let me reword that. Out of all the Assassin's Creed games that I've played, which have been about five, this has been the most enjoyable version of that. This game, uh, Ghost of Tsushima, has been the most enjoyable style of those games that I've played. And that includes really? a Shadow, wow. Big sh- Shadow of War. Is it Shadow of War, the prequel to Shadow of Mordor? Shadow, Shadow, well, it's not. Is it a prequel? Shadow of War is a sequel. Well, I always mix those two up. That's what I'm saying. Shadow it's of War, Mordor is the yeah. one I played. Shadow of Mordor is the first one. Shadow of War is the sequel that sounds like a crappy game you'd buy for your phone. Okay, so I played Shadow yeah. of Mordor, and um, that that game, I like those two games, I also lump into that that style. And I, this has been my favorite one, and this it's strictly due to the story and uh, the visuals. What was it? This is interesting, because I was, always thought you'd, pre- you'd enjoy this game quite a bit, and you you did end up enjoying it, so that's cool. But, like, you, I, it's weird, because you were kind of not super—you didn't get it on when it was released. I remember we were talking about it, and you're like, yeah, I'll kind of get around to it. Maybe I'll download it eventually. Why were you kind of tepid about jumping into it? Um, did it just not look interesting to you, or, like, what? You know, it's kind of funny. Like, was it? Like I, I thought it was just going to be like a Dynasty Warriors hack and slash game is what I thought it was going to be. And that's kind of what people were touting it as, just like this typical hack and slash game. And Dynasty Warriors isn't bad. It's just not like a game I go out of my way to play either. Right. It's like it exists. It's a fun game for like an hour and then you're, you're good. And it's kind of funny because a few years ago when I went to Tokyo Game Show, I remember, I don't know if you guys remember this, I actually took a picture with one of the guys who was like in the in the Mongol garb who was dressed up at the Ghost of Tsushima booth. And I took this picture. Yeah. And I like I was like, oh, that's cool. Like, I'll take a picture with these guys. And, you know, like I'm not super excited about the game. Like, it looked like a beautiful game, but just the gameplay didn't really appeal to me. And I didn't know anything about the story. And then... I've been like lately I've been hearing literally everyone on Twitter um really excited about it and so I wanted to play it and I'm really glad I did. It's funny because you originally were like I it looks beautiful but I just don't think the gameplay looks that interesting. I think you were right on. Your initial analysis was spot on there. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I appreciate. I appreciate. <laughs> I'm sorry. Like, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I appreciate. I like honestly, um, but you didn't expect. It's, it's the a really big compliment. Story in the world and stuff. Yeah, I. It's a really big compliment. Like when because we podcast every week to at least hear one of you guys say that my analysis was great about a game. That actually makes me feel really good because I I think we often like because we're here every week doing this that we kind of like expect it of each other. It's our jobs and it's what we've been doing. But to hear that from one of you guys makes me really happy. So thank you. Yeah, I thought it was crap. <laughs> well, you can suck my dick. <laughs> so, um, 
Kratos continues his slaughter of PlayStation 4 icons, um, trouncing uh, Nathan Drake uh, by, <laughs> I obliterated him. Uh, the poll was like 60, 40, or 70, 30. It was bad. It was really bad. Um, so how do you guys, do you guys personally prefer Kratos as a character over Nathan Drake or no? Modern Kratos? Yes. I think he was more interesting in this era of games. I also think there's going to be a slant uh, because that game is more recent in people's minds than Uncharted 4, let's say. I think they're pretty close, I, at least in yeah. my head, like the new versions. If we were talking yeah. PS3 era, it would be Drake all the way because there was nothing really? interesting happening with Kratos as a character on the yeah. PS3. Yeah, he kind of... Yeah. Yeah, well, it was just PS4 the one note was... forever. So, yeah, the, the change in direction and actually doing something interesting with the character is what is so impressive about it, was that they managed yeah. to do that with Kratos. Um, and, yeah, it's it's really impressive, so... Boy. Yeah. Yeah, that, that that's... I think that's the thing is, like, the other games... Kratos was a one-note character, and the the new the newest game between this two is a new God of War game where they actually expanded upon Kratos's character, and he was already a beloved character, even though he's a one-note character up until this point. So to give him more depth was a really cool move. Um, but I honestly I like Drake more. Uh, granted, my my experiences with both franchises Uncharted Four. I haven't played the others. I need to go back and play those eventually. Um, and then with God of War, I played God of War one, and then I played the new God of War, and um, yeah, Drake actually I, like, killed way more people than Kratos. It's true, it's true, but uh, Drake hasn't killed any gods, is the thing that we so know getting, of <laughs> that we experienced in the four games. But no, I will say that like, but he does loot the tomb of the re- taking relics that are in many ways altars to these gods and relics of these gods, which in some ways is more uh, monstrous. And he also looted the tomb of my heart, which is what I was going towards. Is that like a lot of the interactions and li- relationships he has with the other characters in Uncharted Four was really compelling to me. Not to take anything away from Kratos, but I just enjoyed Don't go the looting my heart. <laughs> yeah, I think they've worked on Drake for many for a long time. I think people forget how fleshed out he was. I mean, it's easy to look at Kratos because he's got the big nice beard and he's the father figure, whereas like Drake was mostly just having relationship issues. I think people really like Drake, but they just really like the the modern Kratos. But yeah, I think Drake is underappreciated. Remember how stupid we thought he would he would be as a character and then we played those games and it was like, "Oh my god, he's actually a really well-realized, well-acted character with and he's just obsessed. I thought he was interesting to me because he was so obsessed with what he did. He would like destroyed his life, he couldn't focus on his relationship mm-hmm. and he was deceiving uh, Elena and his friends and all this stuff because he was so obsessed and like I've always related to those sort of stories as someone who's been very driven Look, in Nate, life. Yeah, with that you never things. mentioned again like i mean he some of that was there but a lot of the depth to the character is recent like it's it's bizarre how these characters yes, started yes, off yeah just so much well, less interesting he really was just like an adventure yeah. serial adventure hero dude. prior to that like yeah. he was a puckish rogue type he was the the indiana jones character like he didn't need that depth until they were like we should really uh you know explore uh what 
spelunking in an ancient Egyptian tomb would do to your psyche. And I was like, I guess. All right, I'm going <laughs> to. Yes, do you, ca- yes. do you care but, if I smoke in here? <laughs> that's when I started to get into it, though, was three. And that's when it started happening. So um, I agree with you guys, though. Yeah, for 100%. And, you know. Uncharted Lost Legacy. Best Uncharted game. Oh, get out of here. You didn't. You didn't. You don't mean that. I 100% mean that. No. I've said it before. It's good. You played that one too, Josh? Yeah. I thought that one had it had one of the worst villains that I could have remembered in the franchise, and this is important to me. Disagree. I need a good villain too. And also, it's all about Ganesh, baby. <laughs> mm. Um, what is this? All Silicon that... Valley? Oh, that's Dinesh. I don't. Sorry. Oh, I don't watch that show. <laughs> Shay's gonna miss this, and I thought this was uh, someone important, so I'm sad. Um. But you guys were right. Uh, the audience, 60 to 40, said they did enjoy mint-flavored food. Um, yeah. Pretty revolting, oh, I know. Goodness. Horrifying. But <laughs> Your experiences are not universal. Well, they're universal for me because they're universally huh. experienced. Yeah. Moving on. Uh, I just, I do, I guess I just am shocked that the appeal for eating mint food, but you know what? I will say this. When I did smoke, I did smoke menthols because I wanted to be able, if I was making out with someone all drunk at a party, I wanted to have a little bit you of You wanted them to breath. taste but mint you, and You tobacco. wanted them to be confused about more than one thing. <laughs> they were like, did you brush your teeth while face. you smoked a cigarette? Mm-hmm. It was, it was, yes. It was a very strange thing that I got. Yeah, exactly. That's what's so funny about that. Yeah, let's have minty breath while you inhale these. You just smell like tobacco and mint now. Like you Uh didn't, it it doesn't cover up anything. It just exists alongside it. Yeah, yeah. I don't smoke anymore, but I miss the smell of a freshly lit cigarette. I only smoke when I'm drunk, baby. Hmm. It's the best way to roll. Uh, And I try to get our audience, and I was joking with you guys this week. I discovered that safe um, cookie dough that you can eat, and... It's been a dark week. I've bought like seven tell of you, those man. packages of cookie Holy dough. Holy shit. It's always How been are you safe. Alive? Jesus. I dude, I feel sick. Like I, I can't stop eating it. I was the other day I almost like crying because I couldn't keep myself from buying more of them. I was crying <laughs> yesterday too, but for the normal reasons. <laughs> uh, I waited my whole life for like this yep. sort of a thing because I was always dude, You could you have know, always been eating it. I yeah. don't know. He's when making up for a out? lifetime you... of eating cookie dough now. You still literally peel it. finally told him it was okay. Like, yeah, no. Didn't you, like, get to a point of, like, eating cookie dough at some point when you were a kid where your parents is like, you were like, aren't you not supposed to not eat that? And they were like, yeah, but, like, who fucking cares? Uh-huh. No, my mom Here's... is the opposite. She's a worrywart, and she told me I was going to probably get sick and die, so. Mm. Here's the thing, Morgan. Here's the thing. Um, I, I sent you guys this clip of this interview that, um... David Blaine and Joe Rogan did, and it was really fascinating. I'm sure some of you who are listening have watched it. Uh, but David Blaine, like, really opened up in this episode, which is why I enjoyed it. Because David Blaine is usually a pretty tight-lipped dude, because he, like, it adds to his character and his mystique. But one of the things he talked magic. about is he start Because I can magic, blah. I don't know why he's Dracula all of a sudden, but um, anyways. His character, uh, he's an a, illusionist. A guy named right, David. That's the term now. Come on. Yeah, no, you're thinking true. of Chris Angel, who's somehow much worse. Or the film The Illusionist, which is actually really great. I know. Anyways. Uh, Chris What's Angel's happening? brother. Chris Angel's brother owned a music store in the town I grew up in. Ah. Anyways. So, um. 
he was talking about when he started doing the the bringing the regurgitating the frog trick and he said he started doing it about four years ago and uh joe asked him like how did you start doing this um because like if you if you swallow a frog because of like the their pores and like the uh the material that they have on their on their skin and whatnot that that will actually cause salmon salmonella um so what david blaine started doing was he started doing this trick and he would get salmonella the first few times that he would try this trick so he did it repeatedly to make himself immune or less susceptible to salmonella and then now when he does it like he there's no risk or a very um low risk of him getting (laughs) salmonella crazy so while you were sitting there in deep rooted fear about getting salmonella from cookie dough david blaine was saying fuck your salmonella he gave himself I'll food poisoning so many times in a row that it just doesn't happen anymore so what you should be well, doing is swallowing that's... frogs not buying safety cookie dough idiot oh. <laughs> speaking of which was he swallowing a zit or pimple those are toads and you need to leave but mm. you oh, fuck, you God really need to get I'm that but to not bring like it back all right the, you can't bring the, it back the, the, not th- the thing, thing that's the thing that's actually crazy about that is like, because he has to swallow a gallon of water in order to efficiently protect the frog in his stomach because of stomach acid and whatnot. That's like the required amount in order to completely protect the frog. He can't eat 36 hours before he does that trick. So he, he starves himself for 36 hours, and then when he goes to do the trick, he swallows a gallon of water, and basically... And then a he's frog. Fi- he's figured out how to manipulate his, like, his stomach and his digestive system to basically regurg- like work the frog up, out. And if like, he has too much water in there, he can make himself like, regurgitate that water enough to where he can lo- locate the frog and bring it up. That's fucking crazy. Oh my god. But dude, what's crazy about that is like how many frogs were lost in practicing? Zero. Like when he was four. He said zero. He never lost a single frog. Yeah, because I mean if he lost one, he'd definitely admit to it. Yeah. Yeah, no. <laughs> he'd totally cop to that. He'd be like, Yeah, I killed thirty of them. He didn't swallow a single frog? That seems insane. Um Yeah, that's an I need to go listen to that. Actually sounds interesting. It was a really fascinating episode. He devoted episode, his but... whole life to this weird yeah, his his origin like story kind is of a, super fascinating. Those kind of magicians are like, it's it's not even magic. I mean, it's the truest form of magic, really. If you think about well, it. magic's not real. Um, you know that, right? <laughs> this podcast is magic every week. You can tell me that's not real. He's got yes. you there, Rich. Checkmate. <laughs> but no, uh, it's all yeah, no, I, I get it with the cookie dough thing, dude. Yeah, Mag- I get the cookie dough thing. When I used to work at there's co- no line. Dairy Queen every day, never happened. Fucking cookie dough every day. And yesterday, so like, I, this is the last thing I'll say to you because I'm sure you guys want to close out this show. I went to McDonald's with my friends, yes, my friend yesterday, and McDonald's is actually much better here in Japan because there's actually quality control and everything here. Because they make and, the food um, out of food. Yes, exactly. <laughs> well, that doesn't sound. That, that depends on your definition of better. Eh, that's fair. That's fair. Good point, Rich. But like, I like. My friend, she wanted to get some food because we we're about to go shopping for some things for school next week. Um, we work at the same company. And I was just going to get some French fries, and I look up, and I see caramel and macadamia nut pancakes. And I was like, 
I guess I'm getting pancakes. And then I look over and there's like this, this slushy and it's really famous in Japan. It's called blue Hawaii. Never had it before. My students talk about it all the time. I was like, I guess I'm getting a slushy. And then I, and I'm up there ordering these things and then they have a McFlurry and there's this candy bar here called black thunder. It's super good. You cannot get it um, easily in America. And I was like, I guess I'm getting a Black Thunder McFlurry too. And like what spiraled in from like just massive spiral for me wanting to just get some French fries to me just ordering a whole meal out of nowhere. So like I empathize with you, Morgan, because like I don't know, I'd call what you ate a meal. (laughs) Yeah, no, you had like five desserts. (laughs) You're like an unsupervised five year old. Again, we talked about this at the beginning of the podcast. We don't shame people for their I do tastes. pretty regularly. Well, Rich, I could make some jokes right now at your expense, oh. but I'm not going to because I have too much respect for you. I I love how it's Rich really nice. told me that Domino's... <laughs> like how Rich told me that Domino's was somehow beneath him, but uh, Taco Bell, that's right up his alley because you told me all sorts of that's great right. Taco thing, Bell tricks. Those things aren't comparable. <laughs> one of them is dog shit, and the other one is Taco Bell. <laughs> Although, you know, if you live somewhere that was famous for Mexican food, maybe you'd feel differently. But you do live somewhere that's no, famous Taco for Italian food. No, because Taco Bell is its food. own category. Like, I, I can, I gotta... Yeah, it's, 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 it's not food. It's... Yeah, ta- exactly. Okay, Josh gets it. <laughs> All right. You um, go to Taco Bell for I'd Taco Bell, that. not for food. Yeah, no, it's not like a meal. <laughs> you go there for the bell, really. <laughs> You know what you could do, Shay? Because we always talk about cookie dough ice cream. You could literally take those little sections of cookie dough they put in that packet. There's 24 of them. You could drop like five or six of those in a vanilla ice cream bowl, yeah. and you would have like your own amazing homemade cookie dough ice cream. You know what well, I'm curious the, the about? Thi- I'm curious about actually cooking up the ones that are supposed to be safe. A part of me wonders if they even cook into cookies anymore. Well, no, anymore. I think you can be, they, they can be cooked. I mean, you think so, yeah, but, but like, who the fuck would no, do that? No, it says that? it on the package. Like it says, it does. It does. I've read the package. Why bother? Story. If the whole point was to make this cookie dough yes. experience yes. for people who because are terrified of, of, of a raw egg, it seems like there are easier ways to do that than to have it well, actually still bake into a cookie. Sometimes you want the the option because sometimes mm. you're like, I'm gonna bake some cookies, but then who knows what could happen? Maybe I'll smoke a bunch of weed. And I'm and gonna be just way too, gonna and, and I'll be terrified of the oven for an hour and a half. Yeah. Um, Josh, yeah. I think it's because people would accidentally buy a pack of those, not seeing the small uh, thing about it stop. being raw and safe, and then they might, yeah, they might get home and be like, "Well, I wanted to bake cookies," and also it might be a higher level of cookie because the flour is heated and they do all that stuff. So maybe it's like a premium. Pillsbury do they still cookie, if you think? sell cookie dough in like the log form? Yeah, I'd like yeah. to purchase the log and just put it as is in the oven. And hmm. bake it and see what happens. Oh yeah, that's like what I was talking about earlier. Just make a mega pie out of, out of it. I so. got cookie. No, loaf. no, <laughs> no. You can do whatever you want, but at no point will we call it a mega pie. Yeah, I don't like that category. <laughs> that's, I'm no, that's that's mega pies should not exist. What whatever they are, I don't think we can allow them in this reality. Mega pie. No, I remember one time we're too busy thinking about whether or not you could. You never stopped to question if you should. <laughs> exactly. I bet back when I was in college and I was living with my, my friends when I first went to college, we tried to, like, there's this recipe where you take 
uh, cookie dough and you surround an Oreo and you bake it in the oven for a short amount of time. And you're supposed to get this like cookie dough covered Oreo. And we tried that. And I don't know what we did wrong, but basically the cookie dough just melted off of the Oreo. So it was just like this, it was just this terrible mishmash of not (laughs) what it was supposed to look like. Definitely still edible. (laughs) Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It was still tasty, but it It does make you wonder about all the cool, all the cool like cookie dough recipes you could like kind of whip out now. You know what you could do? Because it, you know, you can make, you can make some like pizza crust. And just make it like a little bit sweet and take those little rolls of cookie dough and cut it to where it's thin enough and make a stuffed crust with that cookie dough <gasps> and surround uh, that with the dough. Yeah. And then instead of pizza sauce, you do something like chocolate sauce or marshmallow sauce. And then you just uh, sprinkle you your ingredients what on about the top. icing, like cinnamon roll icing? Frosting. Oh, well, I don't frosting. know how that's gonna work in an oven. That's the thing, and I don't even know if you'd cook that. In well, the, I don't. Well, yeah, you'd well that's what I'm saying. We don't. Oven, obviously, you, what if? What's what I'm saying? You don't cook it because it's safe to eat. You make it a double decker. But like, I'm talking about like the pizza, pie. like the pizza base, the pizza base, the crust. You're gonna have to cook that. Oh well, yeah. I think we had different ideas, but you did give me a cool idea, so thank you for that. You're gonna have to do some research. Um, I have really sensitive uh, bowels, though, so I don't know if any of this is a good idea. I could be in the bathroom for hours, um, and I probably will. One time I had an instant breakfast but, from Carnation, and I was in the bathroom for three hours crying, so I don't know what it was. Well, I mean, it, it was but instant, that had nothing to do with the Carnation. Just not breakfast. in the way you expect it to, to be instant. Uh-huh. <laughs> instant taste bleh. that had nothing to do with the breakfast you're crying because your wife left you you can't that's not carnation's fault come on rich that that man that's a my head's too deep I, <laughs> Was it too that's deep? what she All said right. Hey. All right. <laughs> then, then explain what other reason you could possibly have for eating a carnation instant breakfast <laughs> they, they, nutrients in there, Josh. <laughs> they had so many nutrients <laughs> They taste good. They do. It's like a milkshake. My parents used to <laughs> buy that for me when I was a teenager to try and bulk me up because I just couldn't gain mm-hmm. weight. Yeah, no, like I had those things with breakfast basically every day while I was a teenager. They're not yep. good. Yeah. They're just kind of. Yeah, my my, par- my parents would be like, you weren't a fan, Shay, huh? did you have no. one of those carnation instant breakfasts with your breakfast? And I'm like, ah, do I have to? I'd yes, much rather too have skinny. just the milk on its own. It's just like. They, they get way too sweet. Yeah. Yeah. Well, on that note, um, <laughs> I think we hit all, I think we've hit all the major ones. Um, I think I we, think I think we, we hit everything we didn't intend to talk about. And a lot of minor ones. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good show. All right. Well, we'll be back next week with more insanity. I want to thank Shay for being here from Japan. Uh, Josh from being here from Michigan. Rich from being here from New York. Goodbye from Brooklyn. Um, Brooklyn. <laughs> Would they get Brooklyn style Brooklyn. pizza only? Goodbye from Brooklyn. Uh, and I am General Mountain Time here from Montana. And uh, that's it. I was going to pimp all our stuff, but I forgot. We just edit that in the uh, show breaks now. So That's right. Thank you again mm-hmm. for listening. To Definitely leave that in. Uh, yeah, next week's going to be... A, we got a lot of fun stuff to get to, especially once Josh gets to Battletoads, more topics, and we are getting closer and closer to fall. And <gasps> wait, 
Wait. Wait. Oh, fuck. God damn it. No. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, I planned a, uh, a pop quiz and I, I lost my phone. I don't know where it is. All right. So I guess I'll, the pop I'll call quiz. call you real quick. The pop quiz pop was quiz. Where, Where's my phone? Um, Write your answers it. in the Skype. <laughs> where's my phone? That's okay. We'll do, we'll do the pop quiz next week. Um, as I'm just trying to, I just keep continuing to hype up this whole Crash Bandicoot thing, so it can lead inevitably to my disappointment. Um, which, by that. the way, Shay, I noticed your Crash Bandicoot is your icon on PlayStation uh, online. Yeah, I love Crash. So. It's a doozy of an ending. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we really uh, crashed and burned in, in this one, huh? Let's end the show now. Let's end the show. I just want to keep dragging it no, out. No, I like really that have button to go that says to the bathroom. End the suffering and go to sushi. I'm just gonna go to the bathroom. Um, all right. Well, Rich is gonna go to the bathroom, and we're going to end the show in three, two. <laughs>